<laughs> anal wink test is maybe my favorite name for an episode. Do you, I, you know what the anal wink test is, Sean? Tell, tell me about this. Okay, so in the 80s, there was like this uh, giant, you know how like the Me Too movement happened? Uh-huh. So like there was a movement in the 80s where like, it started, I think, in Jordan, Minnesota, where a bunch of kids were claiming, well, someone claimed that these kids were molested. So a doctor came up with this thing called the anal wink test, where they take a feather and touch a child's butthole, and if the thing winked, then they would declare the child molested and arrest the parents. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, this was in the fucking 80s. In the 80s. Like this 80, was not, this yeah. That's so, Bro. like, and people it was like, were actually it was, like... It was the anal wink test witch trials. I think that's how it Yeah. <laughs> 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 but like... I, mean, I think that the history is like lost. Like no one remembers this, but yeah. Well, because it was it, it was obviously it it didn't come from anything like really concrete. It was just some probably some guy was like, oh, this will be. Well, it, it was it, like it somewhere. They, they, I, th- I think I'm not positive, but I believe there's like testimony in court where the doctor talks to like the judge and the jury about his like scientific anal wink test. Oh my god! <laughs> and a bunch of a bunch of fucking a bunch morons of were like went to jail. They they because did because of the anal wink test. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, so so were actual were people actually prosecuted? I believe because so, yeah. of the anal wink test. Uh-huh, like yeah. it's one thing if you're like, oh, my, uh, the kid's getting molested. Well, would you like, like to be the? What's funny is like you think about the lawyer who like first you. You know how like lawyers like to be the first to use something like this is the lawyer that first used DNA at a trial. Yeah, you know, and like I'm the first lawyer that used DNA at a trial. They brag <laughs> about that shit. Yeah. Like well, I want to I want to <laughs> know who the lawyer like. I'm the first lawyer who used anal wink <laughs> test in <laughs> prosecuting parents of molested children. Like I think that's like a. Hilarious distinction to have. Yeah. Like, do you think he brags about that? Test? <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone, this is Junsus World, and I'm your host, Junsus. I'm here with my co host, Sean, aka King David. And you all, Dante's still in prison. He is. You guys failed at, you didn't donate enough money, which I kind of expected given the history of Bitcoiners. Um, Especially this past week. Yeah, this, this week is. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably talk about that first. So, Bitcoiners suck at donating money. <laughs> To uh, lawsuit-based things, like they 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 didn't give much money to Trend and Shavers, which mm. is understandable. They didn't give much money to Dante, who's in prison for mm. what? What did he do again? Uh, Killing his neighbor's turtle. It was or something. something like that. It, it was, was something. It was of, bad. A violent nature. It was yeah. bad. It was violent. Yeah. Um, and this week. Uh, Bitcoiners didn't give enough money <laughs> to sue Roger Veer and Bcash. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very surprised. Very well, surprised. <laughs> I, I I was trying to catch up on like the whole event and like how this went down, and then it just happened a few days ago where uh, whoever the guy was that was leading the uh, the the lawsuit or trying to get everybody together for it, it. I think it was John and Tone that were largely the most like vocal. They, they were part of it. Yeah, it was uh, like John Tone. There were a few other people that were um, you know. Fairly prominent bin quarters that were that were part of this to to sue Roger Ver specifically for listing uh, Bcash's Bitcoin on on the Bitcoin.com website and like you know I, I find it hilarious like I I like both John and Tone yeah but this idea was hilariously bad oh <laughs> like, yeah I, did, I was like this is not gonna happen yeah I mean like I I I don't I don't think here's the thing like. People want to argue that Bitcoin Cash is is a scam, needs to be sued. Mm-hmm. Um, that like people need. I I don't really know where the damage is for the most part. Like I, I don't think even most of the people that are trying to go after Roger have standing because I think most of them probably have you know gained mm-hmm. from like the split. Um, and the, the additionally, Roger's never asked for my money, mm-hmm. but Tone and John have. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, well, you, are, you have to ask yourself, are you going to give your money to, like, a tenuous trial that may or may not have any merit right. and pay some lawyer? I don't know. I mean, a, a case like this, Roger Veer's got $100 million to burn, so I don't know. It might be well, $500,000. If anybody has a case against him and Bitcoin.com for this, it's not going to be any Bitcoiner. Like right, it's going to be, gonna like be some somebody mom. who it, right who's <laughs> like, oh, I bought, I got, I just, I just put my life savings into Bitcoin. It's going to pump, right? Well, and then, but like not just that, like fine, or, or Bitcoin, or, but maybe yeah. they put it into Bitcoin Cash. They didn't buy Bitcoin Cash at ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. They bought it at one thousand. So like, oh, I don't know what the tort is. Mm. Um, and like, the other thing is, is, it's difficult for me to understand how we have this decentralized entity. We don't have trademarks, and how we can think that like somehow Bitcoin Core owns Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine. I or owns the name Bitcoin. I think like I, we had a good discussion this week in our meetup group, um, and I think that uh, I I have trouble with the association of Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Core. They are not the same thing. I think that we had a couple really good points raised um, with regard to how to define it. Uh, one of the definitions I really liked was that like the code has to be able to sync with uh, with basically every single, uh, I mean, barring a hard for a. a, a, a a non-contentious hard fork that, or barring a contentious hard fork, um, that would be non-contentious. Barring a non-contentious hard fork, uh, is as long as the software syncs with like Satoshi's first uh, first implementation, that that's a pretty good understanding of like what is Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And if you it, like current current Bitcoin does in fact sync with that original implementation mm-hmm. poorly, but it syncs. It's yeah, yeah. So um, it's a more it's not, Bitcoin it's a Cash does not right. So perhaps it's not what is Bitcoin, but like Bitcoin is a protocol that meets that needs to meet these criteria, and like you can kind of like. Go I don't know. I mean, like it's uh, the, the thing about what is Bitcoin is because it is decentralized. It is a one hundred percent philosophical discussion. There is no like, there is no definition that like anyone mm-hmm. will accept. And we've tried this before, and you know, like whatever has the most hash power. Well, maybe that's not actually it because like at times Bitcoin Cash had more hash power for like a few minutes. That wasn't Bitcoin. At one time, uh, Namecoin, mm-hmm. as a result of the, the combined uh, the combined merge mining, mm-hmm. had the most hash power, yeah. which is hilarious. So maybe Namecoin was Bitcoin. So like that definition didn't really work out. Um, and a lot of definitions that we've got are like a little bit problematic, particularly uh, given the history here, where we we give a definition. That definition comes to pass where another coin or something else. Um, shows that maybe that definition was inadequate or problematic, and nobody switches. Mm-hmm. We all still call Bitcoin Bitcoin, right? It's uh, <laughs> canceled the lack of funds. <laughs> <laughs> they raised like thirty seven hundred dollars <laughs> from how many? Like thirty one people. Oh, that's just like wow, that's still significant. Like a hundred bucks each. Yeah, sure, I'll take that. I mean, like you know, those people. Look, guys, if you want to send me your hundred dollars, <laughs> I too uh, am thinking of a lawsuit. Uh, I may or may not use it for it. I'll probably just use it for lunch. Yeah, uh, or for drugs or something. You know, probably drugs. Yeah, maybe prostitutes too. If we can find like a good, we can find where ah, that dude, went. Back pages down. I don't know where to go to like <laughs> trust, like trust, trust the girls. You know, it's hard to. We gotta, we gotta figure that out. We can like, maybe get you a girlfriend. Get you a girlfriend experience. Uh, well, we could record that. For it'd like be a girlfriend weeks. that we could pimp out. So it'd be like a, you know. Like I don't know what that would be. Well, I think that'd be prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> we'd recurse back well, to like Sean. the fundamental of like how it how it all started. Put it on um, blockchain. Yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, but well, so we also heard from some people we know that operate uh, Bitcoin ATMs that 
Uh, Litecoin is her, oh yeah yeah yeah. There's been this a big is, demand increase. So this for has been nuts. Like we've heard from a number of people who like particularly like are are doing Bitcoin ATMs. Um, not that people were asking for Litecoin, but that they just added it as an experiment. Yeah. And that Litecoin now makes up like what forty percent of their withdrawals or something like that. Absolutely insane. It, they said it was a it was a very significant amount. It blows my mind. Like that that. I, could I it, could not believe that. Could it just be like the people that would normally use? There would be DMs were like, oh, maybe I now, now I have a good way of like buying Litecoin because. Well, what I heard was that uh, was that Backpages, I guess toward the toward the end, mm. went before they died. <laughs> um, Backpage was offering some kind of discount mm-hmm. for uh, for Litecoin over Bitcoin, which for whatever reason I don't know why, um, but that's what they were doing. Huh. So people, you know, like, but but the pro- the thing is, like, after Backpage. The Litecoin sales apparently have persisted. Right. So is it is that being carried over somewhere else? We don't know. Apparently, yeah. there's a new back page. Um, we don't know anything about it. We don't know where it is, but apparently, it has the word back page in the URL. Uh, the word I don't know, surf or something like that. I, I don't know. I, but if you know where the new back page is, let us know. Please tell um, us. Because Sean Sean has been deprived the last few weeks. He's I've he's, been he's, masturbating you know furiously. <laughs> it's very I funny to me, Sean, because you're very good looking, but like you can't uh, you can't pick up women worth a, a dick. Well, right. Sorry, I need back page. You need back page to service me for those needs. Right. So, so if you know where the new back page is, uh, send it over so Sean can. Uh, this this show brought to you by the new back page, whatever its URL is. But Sean really needs help. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really angry. I'm, I actually did a quick search a to see if anything pops up. Have you really been able to find it? Like, I, I, I don't see shit. Everything's just kind of talking about how old back page well, is down. Well, it goes in line. When we called the back page people a few weeks ago, you, I mean, mm-hmm. you saw it. Like They were all saying that like they're getting work on other places. They were reluctant to tell us where the work was yeah. and, and which sites they're using. Um, it was a little different than like previous times I've I've talked to these guys. Yeah. Uh, usually they're like ready to talk, but like right now it seems like they're all a little bit on um, you know hesitant to reveal any information. Yeah, yeah, they're they're like they don't uh, they think everyone's like a cop or something. Yeah, I'd almost be I'd almost you say look like a cop when you put on like tight shirts. Oh yeah, and, and that's like, gotten uh, some trouble arrow. before. <laughs> that has got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I need to dress this particular way. That a, way I don't look you, like you a did. fucking you cop. Like, we went into a place we were buying <laughs> we were buying copious amounts of drugs, <laughs> and Sean had like a mustache and a tight shirt, and like he's just looking at there. We we here for the drugs. Yeah, and the guy was like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> <laughs> right, it, it, it's. I look very. Yeah, dude, you look just like a cop. Like, <laughs> like you had the aviators on, and like we showed up in a, a cop car. That didn't help. I, I was no. shaved, like clean cut with like. Dude, it was. It was. It was. I've never seen anything like it. Like the, his face was like, dude, I, I can tell you're a cop. Yeah, I was like, no, he really isn't. Like, <laughs> he's, he's fooling you in a, in a different way than you suspect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I wonder if it's like not it's not even just one back page site, but like maybe multiple popped up, which is kind of what happened with dark markets. Yeah, when that's like true. Uh, when the original Silk Road went down, like you, you had you, you had them all. You had like multiple ones pop up, you know, so maybe I wonder if that kind of like that. Trend I can't wait for the studies to come out to show whether back page, in fact, did make uh, the streets safer for women or more dangerous, because like I suspect that it will get more dangerous with back pages gone. Um, there was a, there were a lot of stories that I saw about women like starting to share their personal information for if they like go missing or something like that after back pages because they said that like things would get a lot less safe. Mm-hmm. So at least among a lot of the women, I think there is a perception that the streets are going to be less safe as a result of the fact that they can't really control their own fate mm. and they can't uh, they, they don't have the back page like uh, sort of method to uh, find and get find and get work. Um, 
I'm curious. I'm I'm very excited to see the studies. Mm. Well, there needs to be studies on that. Of course, there does. But it has to. But you know who's you know who's who's doing it, and and is, is anything going on out of that? Well, I put this a little bit later. Um, Droplister pointed out a, uh, a recent darknet darknet market report that came from Europol. Nice. And they actually mentioned they were kind of were saying that cases of online darknet purchasing might be safer for users than buying on the street. Really? But they they, they touched on it as this is something that is has been said, but there aren't any studies on it to really like give any conclusive evidence. But they at least bring that up with within within the it's, area of drugs. I mean, I can't wait till the studies do come out, but I think it will be obvious and mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the I don't know what the state's gonna do. Because mm. like you have this like very weird problem as a state where you're like trying to keep people from getting addicted to drugs. Mm. And honestly like I think that I think that people don't quite understand the history of uh, sort of drug laws. There's mm. the reason that drugs are so heavily regulated by the state and and you have to kind of throw out your libertarian nonsense about how drugs how, how like people have agency and how they're not going to do shit to their own body. Just look at like if you look at like the Chinese heroin wars, that's not what happened. China was like trying to excise heroin from like the world mm-hmm. in the way that we were doing the same thing with communism back in like the 70s. Mm-hmm. And 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 their, the armies that they were sending out to like do this work all got addicted to heroin. And like it was just a huge problem for all sorts of people all over the world. Um, in the same way that the opioid crisis is like plaguing America now, like mm-hmm. th- there's a, there's a point with drugs where people lose agency, and I think that that's a really big and very interesting c- concern. Like with heroin, for example, people get addicted to it, and now mm. they get actually like literally sick mm. not being on it. So what do they have to do? They have to turn to like more opioids, um, and it's it's kind of a weird spiral for them. Mm. So like I, I don't know, like the drug thing is a really difficult problem and I understand why governments have an interest in trying to solve it and I don't think it's as, as like simple as saying like just legalize all drugs you know like I don't think it's quite that simple mm. although like that's pr- that might be better than what we have mm. and maybe maybe for example not having it in the streets a guy pushing it on people might mean that uh, I don't know maybe only people that really need it use it I don't know right well is it is it do you if if you let it if you make it let it be legal then you'll you'll find people that pop up to 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 service that that product um does that money now is it now some is it now taxable profits that you can invest in like right. f- helping the people because right. it is a medical <laughs> issue like how do, how does that That would be interesting if you took heroin like like you know handed it over like only mm-hmm. Bayer can do it only these people can use it and mm-hmm. then like any any like taxes that that are taken mm-hmm. from it go straight to like the opioid crisis like solutions I don't know um it'd be very which, it'd be very interesting Bayer is the one who made heroin originally by the way I've, I think I've heard something yeah, you like can that. Look yeah. at it. it was for children. Well, well it, it was Barrett, for children and their coughs. Yeah, like they, they were giving <laughs> them morphine. Oh my god! But like there were generations of kids that like had that addiction, like or or were affected by it enough where like that really impacted those people's lives, and they probably had no idea. I don't know if that's true, but I, I do enjoy the. Uh, I've heard of cases where really you like in the late like what is it like late twenties, uh, like thirties? I don't know. Maybe even like a few decades before. Uh, like kids addicted to to morphine because that's what they were given as little kids for like their their various ailments. Dude, okay, so um, because they're given a lot. I, I, on a change of subject, real quick, I have yeah. been so I've been uh, finally reading again. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> did uh, <laughs> Fortnite servers go down? No, it, the Fortnite <laughs> servers didn't go down. It was, it was like I was I was sitting there playing Fortnite, and I thought to myself, "What am I doing with my life?" <laughs> And and so like uh, I I had to, I was like look like I have to give myself some, some like minimums because uh-huh. I love this fucking game it's so yeah. fun uh, it is the next opiate 
This would be a Fortnite crisis. Um, but like, uh, so I, I was like, okay, I got I to start reading some books. So I started. I picked mm. one up. It's called Fortune's Formula, and mm. it starts out really interestingly. It's about it's it's another. It, what's interesting about it is that like, um, it talks a lot of it, it's it, it ultimately like tracks a guy named Edward O'Thorpe. Uh, through his like entire career, which is interesting because I read Ed- Edward O'Thorpe's uh, autobiography about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a book called Beat the Dealer, okay, which is academic. However, it was r- it was published in uh, by a publisher that's not academic, and uh, made it was like New York Times bestseller or something like that. It was just like it, it sold so many fucking copies, and like is to it this day still sells tons of copies. Is is it about like strategies to like? He he basically routinized card counting. Edward O'Thorpe is a sort of sort of the inventor of like, oh, card so he like laid out exactly like exactly. how to do it. Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, and so he writes this book, Beat the Dealer, uh, and and the book kind of talks about like his rise. Mm-hmm. But one of the cool things about it is at the very beginning they start talking about like uh, how betting information used to like be transmitted. Mm-hmm. So in the twenties, betting information was transmitted like over Western Union, right? Mm-hmm. And then like in the mid twenties, Western Union took a <laughs> moral stance that they were no longer going to transmit race betting information. Really? Yeah. So like so so back then like I mean this is like wire communications yeah. right? like yeah, how does like this telegraph. So so they were like, you know, any anybody's message was was anybody's message, but yeah. if there was a telegraph about the results be- of like race races. They're like we're not going to support this. Apparently. So huh. what do you th- what do you think happened? Uh, well, I'm guessing they're correct. I'm, I'm the guess- mob took it over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I was like, well, there's 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 an underserviced market that went elsewhere or f- found something else. Yeah, so a guy starts a service specifically for the transmitting of race data. Um, it was called, I think, Transamerica or something like that, which is okay. was uh, you know that's before its time. Um, but Transamerica and. And oh, oh, so, so like the trans movement started a long time ago. A long time oh, yeah. ago. <laughs> and <laughs> he, uh, he, he was, he was, sent, so he, he did the subscription service in the 20s, Sean, in the 20s. Really? Which he sold for $150 a week to bookies. Oh, shit. Yeah. Back then, that <laughs> yeah. was a fuck ton of money. Oh, yeah. I mean, fuck like, yeah. that was, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. 150 bucks a week per bookie. to bookies. Per wow. bookie. And uh, and they would they would get their information. He would only transmit racing data, and the mob watched this thing happen and grow. And the other thing he did is he would he would basically front run stuff and use the data that they were getting to like make their own bets before they like transmitted it out, um, which is where oh. like a huge portion but of his money came from because w- he was the center of all data racing. Was okay because he was able to take advantage of uh-huh. like the the, the information. Yeah. So uh, what's what's humorous but is was that he was he a mob person himself? Or no, was he no, okay. no, no, no. I think the mob eventually killed him. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> we're gonna take over the operation. Yeah. We're, um, we're gonna kill you. <laughs> so so the, and the mob took it over. But like yeah. uh, he was he was making just a shit ton of money, and uh, he was transmitting all this data. But they were talking about how like back in the day, what what would happen is if if you as a person like Sean mm. um, were able to get a communication from like a racetrack, you could find out which horse run horse one mm. and then you could run and find a bookie that didn't have that information yet and mm. make a bet on a horse that had already won and that was really common so what happens is all of a sudden western union pulls out the information was undemocratized and the only people that had it were bookies so bookies stopped taking stopped taking bets uh from people that were betting on horses that had already won right but they continued to take bets <laughs> from people, people betting on horses that had already lost. <laughs> wow. Were they 
That's a <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> was was that ever like corrected, or did people ever fi- fi- find well, out? Well, I mean, like, or? of course, it was. Cr- eventually, it was corrected by like you know democratizing data and information. But sure. it's funny to me that like Western Union. Uh, removing, taking a moral stance on that, basically like removed the ability of good of, of of maybe not good, but like people who were not on who were on the side of the bet mm-hmm. that probably would have been viewed as better people than the bookies themselves. Mm. Um, those were the people that lost. Yeah, <laughs> and the bookies, the people that Western Union was trying to prevent from winning, were the ones that were winning and just making a shit ton of money as a result. W- Enough w- that they were paying 150 bucks a week yeah. for the service in like well, 1924. What's interesting to me is that you could observe that whole situation and be like, oh, like information speed really matters a lot. It matters so much. But in that other book, uh, that one book that I read about hedge funds, I don't think it was like until the 50s or 60s where like firms figured out that getting Get, having the someone numbers on, out yeah, yeah. right when they came out was really important. Well, that was when like that somebody, was like some box, firm. Right? Some firm came across that, and then they then they put a guy on the floor, and they just had like a, a persistent well, phone connection. He would just yell out like numbers. They'd have like a paper boy send out all the information, the numbers, of all the different firms. They were like, "Well, we're not going to wait for the guy to show up. We'll have a guy right there that can just bring it to us directly." Right. Um, which was, I mean, it, everything changed really quickly after yeah. that. But once people figured that out, but like this, this pre, but like this whole event with the, in the, with it, it the mob could, yeah. predates it. Well, dude, there, there's all sorts of examples. Like, I mean, like look, information like moving, like look at like the Great Wall where they would pass information through fires, right? Mm. Like, that, I mean, or, or like any of any of these like uh, countries or uh, systems where that kind of thing uh, persisted, where like they would send information very simply. And very quickly through like I don't know, some different means like fires or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a really like information speed has like been just something that people have strived and and fought for at all times throughout the history. And and like if in terms of markets, it really affects markets in a way that's like really important, mm. really important. And like stuff that we never would have thought of. And people were gaining advantages by like moving closer so their their boy who was on the floor would like make it to their office three minutes faster than they would if they were like two blocks away or something like that. Right. Right. So like it's remarkable. And then they put the squawk box right on the floor uh, of, of the market, which was like a very different uh, a very different thing where someone would like sit there and just yell numbers out. And they would have basically essentially what, what they considered to be real time calculations. What's funny is that nowadays that would not be real time. If there were a guy sitting on a squawk box yelling at you because the numbers change so fucking fast. Right. Well, by the time he even starts to tell you the numbers, the numbers. One twenty one ninety three. Right. <laughs> well, it's 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 that human like you have to remove any type of like human uh like you just can't you can't you can't have humans as part of that data transfer even even more than that slow. even more than that yeah. being like if if a guy were sitting there yelling it out by the time the communication had reached you just over the phone lines even if you were perfectly accurate at that second mm-hmm. the information would be outdated just because of the speed of the transfer right it's it's like we have we have moved to a world where transfer information is incredibly fast mm-hmm. and that's actually this book talks a lot about that uh, where it talks about um, God what the fuck is his name uh, Shannon. Uh, who basically like invented information theory and is the reason that we have Ethernet and all sorts of other things. Um, but like he was Claude Shannon. He worked at uh, Bell Labs and in like just a remarkably smart guy. Helped Edward O'Thorpe uh, develop a bunch of systems. Was in, uh, credited by L. Ron Hubbard for help with. Uh, his wonderful invention of Scientology and uh, a number of other. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Try to throw that in there. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is interesting. I was like, wait, wait that doesn't make sense. <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah, uh, Claude Shannon really liked, really liked, uh, like, like uh, 
you know, science fiction and stuff. And so L. Ron Hubbard, the most prolific writer of our day. Um, <laughs> apparently saw Cla- it is. <laughs> apparently saw Claude Shannon out and like sat with him for a while. And uh, and in, in Dianetics, like I think actually credits Claude Shannon with like a lot of the ideas, which Claude may or may not have like really wanted to be credited for. Right. But like which he, he invokes Claude's name. Well that's kinda like that's kinda like uh what's his name? Uh it's, it's like the ICO market. Here's yeah. all our advisors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's all the people that respond. Well who's the who's the Indian guru guy? Um Oh God, I know exactly what you're talking the doctor. Yeah, we talked about him like last uh, time. Uh, mm, uh, uh, uh Gandhi. Yeah, Gandhi. Yeah. <laughs> no, what's um, his fucking name? The, the guy that was just that was part of Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. No, he is he's, he's an ether right now. Yeah. As the older I get, the more my memories are sucking dude, ass. Your mem- dude, you wait till you get to like my age. Oh yeah, when I'm old as you, I'm gonna like Dr. Uh, Indian Guru. <laughs> Deepak Chopra. Deepak Chopra. Thank you. <laughs> that's what it is. I just well, googled that dude. It's Doctor <laughs> Indian Guru. That's okay. That's a top. <laughs> it's so funny when you could just Google like <laughs> thing I'm thinking about right Pick now. Up, yeah. <laughs> Google's like I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> Everyone Google's that because no one remembers his goddamn name. Right. Oh, dude, that guy's Chopra. A well, that's like that guy meeting with like a, a physicist and then like extrapolating like whatever the physicist well, is like telling him. We and call like it metaphysics. Yeah. It's beyond <laughs> physics. Yeah. Like, dude, that's not what I told you. Yeah. No, it's one step further. <laughs> I'm taking what I t- what you told me and and I made it smart. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. That that's uh, it's very funny. But yeah, like, that's so a really that's a really interesting book. Well. It is an interesting. You should read it. I should. There, there's another guy that's been that has written a lot about like different mob organizations for like Irish and the Cuban mob. Um, the Cuban mob had a. They were running something called. They, they refer to it as the numbers, and it has like a Spanish name. But it was El big numeros. Yeah, but but something. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> well, that's that's the numbers. That but it might or whatever. But it was big. It was it, <laughs> it, it was big in like Cuban and some of these um, like Latin American traditions. Yeah. Where these these numbers had mystical properties, and everybody we wanted to bet on what the number would be. It was a three-digit number, but they got the number from the horse racing scores. So the last score at the end of the day, whatever, or I'm sorry, how, however much was was made or bet or something, whatever that final total was, the last three digits were the number of the day. So if like what's so like that information was was necessary for various reasons for other people too, like. So, so there, there was a similar uh, betting scheme, uh, again, that uh, this book talks about, where, like, I guess the mob was running it. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they would do is uh, they, would, they would have three random numbers selected. And I don't know exactly how they derived them. I don't think it was from racing or, like, any other system, but, like, mm-hmm. they, they picked three random numbers. Um, and what they, they found out was that they could pay out a lot less if those three numbers, if, if they picked three numbers that, like, <laughs> had very few players that had played them. So they started, like, not making them random and started looking at, like, the totals for the day, like who bet on what number, mm-hmm. and picking the number that would have the least payments. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh yeah, dude. Well, well, the the thing about the thing about betting on the horse track was that, or, or the, where, whatever the racing numbers were, was that that information was supposed to be distributed to everybody, so yeah. anybody could verify that once they got those. I win. Yeah. Yeah. But that that's funny because because they may have also relied on like how long how long did Western Union I don't know the book doesn't say when they stopped but like honestly like the, the way it sounds it probably went into the fifties and sixties yeah maybe longer like I mean it, it it basically persisted throughout the history of like Vegas when Vegas was still like destroying people's like well, fists with baseball bats right well but like these various mob organizations like the Cuban mob had to had a, a relationship with the Italian mob who was probably the mob running 
the the numbers or running the the, the distribution of the numbers. So like, were the Cubans like getting scammed in a way we might know now that they didn't know back then? I mean, they, they could have. Like, I mean, the thing yeah. is, like back in the day, even still, mm-hmm. like holding a horse back, for example, was a practice. Like, you could probably manipulate the numbers very easily. Yeah. Right. Oh like, yeah. Well, you know, like hold the horse back. We need to, you know, have the numbers be one, three, six. Right. Which is hilarious. Yeah. How do they derive the numbers? Well, not not the numbers of the horses. It was what speed. Like that would like be a little harder. Like how fast the horses got to the. Well, end that or? would be really hard. Well, that's that, that's why this one number was very. It was it was the total amount like made in that day. So if it was like one million dollars, one million five hundred seventy, you know, so some weird random. Like it was it was such a like it'd be hard to game that number. Yeah, I don't, but I don't how the horses did it. did it, I don't, I don't, or how how you would get the, well, it's probably just by who won. So like you just you could hold back like. But, but did they multiply that number by something or? I, I don't know. No, you're not very well versed. Should we? Well, we're talking about the we're talking about the <laughs> mo- we're talking about like what the final total of like the money was, right? So yeah. like, like if 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 all of the bets coming in or if all of like the the, like it, it's like the final like how much was was made. Maybe maybe it was like I don't know, like a number like how much how much the. The racetrack itself, like, took in that. Oh, day. interesting. That makes sense. Which is which is a much harder number to game because right. you're you're getting down to like the the last pennies, the last three yeah. the three digit value. So whatever the you know. I guess you could go and like give some money. To, like it, it, the, the thing is this: the problem with like all central. Well, it's whoever 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 decides what that last number is at the correct. end of the day. Like so, like that's like if where you're the sitting week, there, like you yeah. could you could sit there as the accountant and be like, okay, there's fourteen cents. You know, two million three hundred thirty-seven thousand four hundred thirty dollars and fourteen cents. I bought the number this, this, and this. I, I guess I'll just you know, thirteen cents more. Yeah. Okay. And we're even. Yeah. I win. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's it's divorced from like the racetrack, so like you, they're not losing money when you do that. Yeah. That that would that would be that would be hilarious. Oh yeah. I bet I bet that happened. Oh yeah. I'm sure, dude. I, I would get a job at the racetrack. Well, just that's so the I thing to that do, guy. and have and and call the bookie right when you see that number. Yeah. I mean, like that's probably what. I, by the way, I win. I, I can't believe it. I, well, again. dude, this is the fourth week in a row. Yeah. Well, you know, bro. Yeah, and and if the mob is the one that's actually running, like, because I'm sure they probably were running like the racetracks, mm-hmm. or, or well, maybe not, but like they they had people there. You know, they were all probably. Well, they all probably had people. There. I mean, it was just it's just you could do things like that back then. That's that's what's so. Dude, how how much is like gambling growing in the Bitcoin market? Because I, I suspect it's growing just. Fast as fuck. Well, we, we, we occasionally hear that it's that it's growing. Um, and, and the more like I learn about the history of gambling, by the way, the more I realize that like it is it, it like industries have popped up around it in ways that nobody realizes mm-hmm. and have made like more money than God. Mm. Gambling is and I think gambling is just a form of investment at this point. A lot of like investment theory mm-hmm. comes out of like gambling theory. Well, well, because like if you're if you're trying to get a return on your money you're you're betting that like this investment or putting your money in this at this thing is going to increase well, well more and than then that? it's a matter of like how like an increase of like how much so right you, you could you could you could draw a line between gambling and like traditional investment well, well guess, more than that you're talking about edges right like what what is your expected return which is the same thing that you should be asking in a traditional market what is my expected return on this like investment mm-hmm. in gambling you're asking what is my expected return generally your expected return is like 48 percent uh or is is like 90 you know six percent of what mm. you put in or something like that which is like a huge disadvantage so when you find things where you have like a four percent advantage or one percent advantage whatever it is like you can make a shit ton of money um in gambling mm. but then then it comes down to things like money management so like for example when edward o'thorpe uh the guy in this book is talking about like how he managed his money he actually used like gambling money management methods 
for his uh, hedge fund mm. when he started it, and uh, and as a result, was a, yeah, I was able to like scale his bets up and down um, using I think what's called the Kelly system. So using what he was basically doing with 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 gambling, he was able to apply those practices to like a hedge fund. Yeah, like I mean, like he. So for example, I think the Kelly system is the one. There's like the Martingale, the Kelly. I've, what's funny is I brought these up with some of our gambling friends, and they were all like, "Yeah, like, duh." <laughs> like, okay, okay, well, I'm just learning about it. Right. So like the Kelly system, I guess, is like a proportional system. The more the more you have to bankroll, the more that you can like put into bets, and the less you have to bankroll, the less you put put into bets. Um, and so that as your like money grows. The opportunities that you're going for are, um, you know, you're going to uh, increase the amount that you're putting in, basically proportional to the amount that you're increasing um, your, you know, final amount. So if you, you know, if you have a million dollars and there's a bet that has a 30% chance of paying off, then you're going to put quite a bit more in than if you had, a, you know, a thousand dollars and the same bet appeared, which is obvious, I think. Well, so, so in other words. Be, if, if the chances of winning are higher, you're gonna want to put more money in, and there's like this, there's there's a, there's a there's a there's a relationship there that you can kind of measure in terms of like, like what what percentage to what amount of money put in, right? Well, like no, I, it, but I it's, it's it proportional. Right? It's, it's uh, like it's a it's a sort of three factor model. Like yeah, you, there's the amount that you have, the amount that you expect to return, um, and the likelihood, or and uh, there's a third factor. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll just, <laughs> well, just the, the amount that you have and the amount that you're like uh, expected expected to get. Yeah. So those are those are two of the factors that are like related to like um, how much you put in. Mm. And and so like you don't like it's not simply about like what the returns are. It's it's about money management. So that like if you look if you assume that like you know either the casino is going to have an edge or you're going to have an edge, your expected returns are going to be like zero or negative, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh, if you find uh, bets where your your expected return is positive, you still have this line, right, and sort of a random walk around it. And eventually, um, given enough time, even even if you have like a slight edge, your money goes to zero, right? At which point, you know, the gambler's ruin happens, where you have like essentially bankruptcy. So um, the goal is to not reach zero. So mm. how do you what, like what methods are there that prevent you from random walking? All the way down to zero mm. eventually, and uh, this is like there's a couple of methods. The Martingale method is obvious. I remember thinking about this when I was a kid, and I was like, "Dad, why don't you just do this at a casino?" So like I invented this myself, independent <laughs> of the fact that it's been a system that like gamblers have used forever. But it's the doubling down system, right? Where you go to like a, a roulette table, you're like oh, I'll put a dollar on black, it's red. Okay, I'll put two dollars on black, it's red. Four dollars on black, it's red. You know, uh, you know, eight dollars, and you just double up every single time. At which point, like, you're fine until, like, there's 13 reds in a row and you're, you know, now betting, you know, $87,000 and you just don't have that. <laughs> right. Well, because <laughs> the you, you like, might run out of money at, at some point. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the other thing is, like, the, the casinos, like, know the Martingale system and they're just going to, like, kick you right out the instant they see you doing it. Really? Yeah. Is it really? I, I don't. I, I've never heard of the Martingale. Well, think about before. it, like Sean. Like, do the math. Like, if you if you actually did a true Martingale system where you're doubling up your bet every single time, eventually you're you, probably gonna. You'll probably go bankrupt eventually, but there's absolutely no way to win if given infinite money. So, like for example, think about Warren Buffett. If I were Warren Buffett, oh, because right, if he goes in there and he goes, go in there with right. like ten million dollars and just do it until like and, until he wins. Right. In which case, like all day long, he'd be winning and taking money from the casino because he has infinite money. Right. right. So it, 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 because because big people, big players can 
really take right. advantage of that system. Well, yeah. you could do is you, you could basically do the math. Is like what are the chances of having I don't know a hundred losses in a row? Yeah, the, I mean you're going to be at like point zero 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 one you know percent. So like someone like Warren Buffett um, might go in there, do something like that, and you're looking at like you know putting down. Uh, you know, ten dollars, twenty dollars, forty dollars, eighty dollars, one hundred sixty-three, twenty, six forty. Uh, you know, twelve hundred eighty, and then like it just it ramps up. So like you have a hundred losses at that. You're talking about <laughs> just just you know millions of dollars every single bet. Mm. But like it's a sure thing if you presume that eventually you'll win. Right. But there's two factors that stand in the way. Number one is gamblers ruin. Number two is the fact that casinos will just kick you out. If they see that you're doing it, mm. uh, I, I guess the third one is that a lot of casinos have like limits. So they'll be like, you reach eighty thousand dollars, like you can't go above that. At which point, now you're losing. Right. Yeah. So like gambler, mm. g- uh, like casinos have like mitigated a lot of like the system betting, um, but like the Kelly system w- is completely just a reasonable system, and it's just kind of like proportional betting, um, which is interesting because like applied to like again Thorpe's hedge fund, he did really well in terms of beating the market year after year. And he did it, it, which what's what's interesting is in his autobiography, he says that he, he created the Black Scholes formula about eight months before Black and Scholes did it. Really? Which I was skeptical what, of. Right. But this book was but written like before, I think he was arrested. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, for... for, for, for I, I don't know if Thorpe got arrested, I think, and or the FBI raided his hedge fund and like shut it down, um, claiming that he was like doing some wacky things. Um, I think he was cleared of them and or served his time, but I think it was clear to them. So um, was he, was he, but it sounds like he was just, he was using tactics to exploit something in the market. Like, you, like, you, like, no, no, dude, he, he actually did invent Black Scholes before Black Scholes. Because of what he was, because he was doing. He was just a math guy. Yeah. So like, he, he, he was uh, extremely interested in warrants and other none such, and he, he basically invented Black Scholes and then used it in his hedge fund to make just a shit ton of money. And uh, when Black Scholes came out, he like he's like I've been doing this for months. This is where all our profits come from. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's really interesting. It is amazing. And it, and the reason that like he doesn't have the Nobel is because he didn't share it. Right. Which well, is really interesting that like you can frankly like the democratization of the Black Scholes formula was a remarkable innovation in markets mm-hmm. um, in that everyone had access to this. But like someone was using the same thing to profit because that, that formula wasn't public information right. until that point. Which like you could almost, which is, fu- because like it, it makes sense. Like somebody may have come to that conclusion beforehand and learned about that, but was just using it in to, to profit from it because they didn't want that information to get out. Yeah. So like when, when that, become yeah so like when you're that guy it's like well i'm gonna profit from this versus like oh i i discovered this thing that we should publish and like well what's funny is, that is he, he's not he gonna actually, do because he's, he's actually running a yeah he, he like actually wrote a second book called beating the markets which was a uh an entire book that he wrote on warrant pricing mm-hmm. which is really interesting as well and like he he was saying that in his own in his own uh testing he was doing 30 and 50 percent returns per year just like huge amounts, like huge returns mm-hmm. on this warrant method that he had developed in terms of pricing warrants out and figuring things out. Um, and then he shared it with the public in order to like basically gain some cachet and use that in order to like leverage uh, his reputation to get more money into the hedge fund. Interesting. Okay. And then he invented Black Scholes yeah. for himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I almost want to call it like the, the O'Thorpe formula more than Black Scholes just to give him credit. But yeah, like, yeah that's... <laughs> well, we should, you, should, you should call it that if it ever comes up. You yeah, know? The, oh, the Thorpe formula. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, huh. I was really skeptical. When I read his book, I was like, this asshole 
Like I don't know like much about him, mm-hmm. um, but this book is actually fairly unbiased and like written by somebody else and written by the way uh, before Fama even got his uh, EMH uh, Nobel. Huh. So it really predates a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it does. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's um. Doesn't make Edward Thorpe less of a cock. Well, he <laughs> might. He, yeah, I mean, he might. Yeah, but like. I don't know because like it's weird because there's you're you're talking about like the the academic field of like finance and economics and if you come to like interesting conclusions and you and you come across new information like if you're a person that could like utilize that like like when you're a scientist and you find like a new a new thing in the universe right you want to publish your results of your study because now you get credit for finding that thing well that's the thing but like it's it's weird because like scientists don't find something necessarily. And then, like, use that information to exploit and it for profit. What's really interesting is that, like, we have often this, like, dichotomy between, like, science and, like, religion, right? Like, Christianity or something like that, mm-hmm. where the two, like, fight. But the truth is that, like, science in some ways runs in opposition to, like, <laughs> a business. Because, like, science is discovering secrets that, like, business people might have an incentive to, like, keep secret. Mm. And they're revealing them and democratizing that. And the business guy is, like, trying to eke out as much... Uh, time as he can. In addition, it does it does really like speak to the fact that there are times in history when you know maybe it's this equation's time to be discovered because mm. he discovered it as a result of like his work in academia, et cetera, et cetera, um, and his interests just kind of randomly happed upon this formula that he created, um, and then a few months later, these other guys who incidentally came at it completely differently also discovered the exact same model mm-hmm. and published it. And the Nobel Prize went to them because they democratized the model, whereas he was keeping it for himself as like sort of a selfish, uh, selfish hold. And so they were making the mm. markets more efficient by giving it to everybody. He made the markets more efficient by keeping it for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, incidentally, like well, they both they both moved everything towards market efficiency. You like, think I mean, so? Like, but maybe y- you know, like I, I, I do, I do have a little bit. Like what's interesting about it is like there is a sort of understanding in, um. And market theory and, and like EMH that would say that like even if he held that data privately, mm-hmm. that the markets should have been basically 100% efficient, right? And that he he should have taken that money and been able to grow it or you know get so much in, in enough investment, substantial enough investment that he could have then like basically brought the entire market to efficiency um, through this equation that he was doing. Uh, particularly because his was like kind of in the advent and the age of computers, and he probably could have analyzed the markets um, pretty quickly that way. But he didn't, right? There was huge amounts of inefficiency found after the like Black-Scholes was released um, that you know he could have probably profited on, but he didn't because his interest was not in like investing in the whole market and looking at the whole market. He was applying it to some very specific examples where he brought efficiency to. So I, I do think that that actually like kind of weirdly <laughs> uh, lends some problems to particularly strong form uh, EMH, but like uh, it, it's, it is interesting in itself because Edward O'Thorpe in his own book... Well, but if he was doing it in small... You're, you're saying because he was doing it in small areas, he wasn't really like... Yeah, he didn't take advantage of the thing to the extent that he could have. Which over giving... But like over time, he may have. He may have, but the presumption you know, like the presumption would have been that he would have done that fairly quickly, right? That like he would have brought efficiency had he like he knew about this, he would have taken advantage of it. So the idea is that once he take advantage of it, it would have gotten priced in like he, he would quickly have, enough. He to would have priced would have it in very quickly. But right, like okay. I don't know, like it could have been lack of capital. All sorts of reasons could be that he like didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But it would have been very interesting if the Black Scholes formula, for example, had taken five years to discover instead of like eight months. 
um, and just to see what he would have done with that, because that would have been a really sort of interesting to look at, like the markets over that time when Edward O'Thorpe, he'd probably be the richest man on earth right now. Yeah. <laughs> he'd have like 30, <laughs> 30 trillion dollars. <laughs> That's like some absurd amount. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's also funny when like different people come to the, like the same ideas, like they arrive at the same concepts from from that are totally like in different areas right you know, which, which which does happen in, in it's happened in history well, if, you look happens at, if you look at black shoals um I, I think it was merton who like had a lot of the math that like black and shoals really didn't have he was the one that like really brought the calculus to uh to the equation that allowed them to uh to look at pricing like in real time essentially mm -hmm. which they weren't able to do until they added him so they just kind of had this theory they kind of had this whack equation and then he adds the calculus that's necessary to it to actually do the work um, so really, I mean, like, it's his equation, I think, if he's the one that did that. Um, whereas, and he's, his name's not even in it, for the most part. I think it's the black Scholes merton or black merton Scholes formula, but people shorten it. So he never gets any recognition. So <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, the, the black Scholes, the black Scholes formula, like, that, that to me, like, is, is interesting. And that, yeah, they, they came at it at, like, very different perspectives, and they arrived at something very similar that does exactly the same thing. And, uh, and, and fuck, like today as a result of it like the markets are just incredibly different it was an incredible contribution mm. even though it really lacked as we saw you know in the housing crisis yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's that's really interesting huh um but yeah like going back to like the gambling shit like w like there are people that like like Bitcoin does service that gambling era. We even had people, you know, locally tell us in the past. We talked about this, like, oh, yeah, gamblers really like Bitcoin. They like to take their money out quick. Um, but it, there's a whole industry behind it too. Of like, so like if 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 giant rich guys in, in America are gambling elsewhere and they need to move money because they they made you know they have several hundred thousand dollars. Like, there's there's so many areas where you might you know look to see oh Bitcoin could really service this at some point. Like, or or it may end up servicing it because. Like regulation change or something. You're gonna like this, Sean. We have a, a, a not. I don't know how long. I'm really hoping to line it up. Um, it depends on if the person is willing to do it. But we have a potential credit card scammer gonna come on. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. That's and amazing. I'm very excited. I'm teasing it a little bit because it's not. It's not certain. You always tease me. And I, I, always I tease get, you a little bit. I always bit. get hard. Well, a couple of them you have to like set up. Like you have to get the Francis Coppola stuff set up. Um, but this guy, yeah. he'll come in and uh, hopefully, and uh, we'll see if we can get him in. Um, we'll learn all about the credit card fraud industry together. Hold hands, hold dicks, whatever it is that you want to hold, and we will learn about how to do credit card fraud. Nice. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> In case it's an interest you have, um, that will are be... We, are we, are, are we going to suddenly get like taken down? Like I don't know. Like the vice, <laughs> holy shit, what happened to that vice? Is it gone forever? Because I, I, I think well, it's gone I forever. Looked. I think it's done. I think so, yeah. What happened there? No, I, no one's idea. It, it, it just went away. It's just like, gone. It, and like it, it's The like, story was there, but the video's gone. It's gone, gone. Good, good it like is finding so it. gone. I mean, you might be able to find it now, but... Like, like in I torrents, maybe? I, I don't know. Yeah, but somebody... I've been told by multiple people who they said that they have it, they've downloaded it, because they thought that might happen, but like, dude, that thing is gone. I the only place I found it was that it was a vi it was like a Vimeo or one of those like shitty video Someone service. Someone found things. the mirror, yeah. And then it went. And then that that's went the thing, down. you guys, with Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin, Bitcoin is uncensorable, but Vimeo is not. Right. So when we talk about a video, oftentimes you have like it's like T minus twenty minutes to go like find that thing. Right. You gotta go find <laughs> it, download it, and. And get that I, thing, I, dude. Uh, I couldn't believe it. How fast? I've never seen a video taken later. down to yeah. the extent that that video was taken down. Yeah, like it was wiped. It was like someone took a scrubber to the internet and just like fucking swabbed the deck 
and it's gone. Yeah. There is not even like a hint of it ever being online. Yeah. It's uh it's it's really weird. I I, I don't know. I, I hope it's out there somewhere. Well maybe maybe we'll find it. Somewhere. Somewhere out there. Out there. Um also, uh so some guy tweeted this out uh this some past guy. week that uh the Bolivar in Venezuela, Bitcoin's being used uh, as the standard rate of value. The Bolivar. Yeah, I saw that. That makes my that, that makes my head explode. Look, I I think that that's amazing. Um, but essentially, the idea is that like the government, con- there's a government controlled website that tells you what like the bolt the exchange rate is, mm. or it was it was not government controlled. It was the standard um, sort of underground price that people were using, and then the rates started to deviate. So there's a lot of assumptions that the the rate on the site is being government controlled. Right. So people move to start pricing the bolivars in bitcoins, which is really weird. That is weird. Well, because because if they don't if they don't want to price it based off of that information, the government whatever that site is saying, then they have to move to something else. Well, the, the, which the thing is that's f- interesting. Which, which is interesting, but like then it's like, oh, Bitcoin's significant enough to like move it to to Bitcoin. Like, well, what's interesting to me about it is that like compared. you have this this currency, which I think inflated at like eighteen thousand percent last month or something obscene, just crazy. When I, it's fucking it's it's about like a dollar in bolivars is like it's like a billion bol it's something, well, I heard, it's something I, ridiculous. I read something like, that two years of like social security payments, uh, if you've been getting them for two years, um, this week finally you could purchase a cup of coffee, something like if like <laughs> that. It's just like okay. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, but yeah, like if if they're like we have a, a highly volatile currency in Bitcoin, and if if you if people would rather move their money into Bitcoin than to keep them in bolivars, I mean that's that's a significant statement. Mm-hmm. And and that also means probably, and this is actually one of the things that's really interesting about bolivars over something like dollars, is that it's so much easier to get bitcoins into that country than it is to like get dollars or anything else, mm-hmm. which might incidentally be uh, be a good argument for something like a government-run blockchain. So that you can you can get that you can get you can get bitcoin in there. Well, not bitcoin, easier. but like if you or had like whatever, a yeah. fed controlled blockchain where the money was moved to central in, in the way that it's moved in bitcoin, yeah. but your ledger was centralized, you might actually be able to like move dollars into places like Venezuela much more easily than uh, you could otherwise. But like then you have a weird problem like the, the government controls this database. It's it's it moves <laughs> like a blockchain. I don't think you actually need a blockchain, but like if you could have the mechanism to like have it move mm-hmm. um, in the in the sort of way that Bitcoin does, um, you know, then then you could you know beam fucking dollars across the universe without having to send it to someone's bank. You could like literally send it to their phone, which I think incidentally I I look at the innovations that are going to come to the financial system from places like Bitcoin. I think that what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of adoption of Bitcoin like technologies that don't require blockchains. But into the real world, because like we've been dealing with the Bitcoin usability issues in a way that no one's ever had to deal with dollar us- usability issues. Because like for example, your dollars mm. aren't on your phone, right. right? So then Bitcoin usability issues in the way that like going to the moon mm. gave us like weird thermal blankets and shit like that. I think that that there's going to be a lot of like interesting technological innovations that the banks or uh, f- you know the Fed or anyone else is going to be able to implement into the in, into like centralized systems. It's almost really as if like your banks are going to issue you like your dollars are going to be held in what seem like token-based dollars when it's like a central database right, that they, they can retract do, like, 
and and you can you you have Fuck mechanisms yeah. to move it from like device to device. If you I don't want. know that they could retract. Or, I think that you kind of like once you do that, you open the Pandora's box of like this is in fact a bearer instrument. So like you then put dollars on your phone, and if you uh, lose your phone, those dollars so are lost, yeah. right? Like it's a wallet. Um, I think that Bitcoin does innovate in that way, and perhaps all you do now with the bank is you have some sort of like database that you're actually calling back to. That's where the server is. Um, that's where your sort of AirBits wallet or whatever it is is yeah. essentially getting its data from. So it, it right. So it essentially be like literally like literally digital dollars that the government's like literally it's, yeah. But it's then and you it's don't like need, you don't need like a blockchain for that. You can have a centralized database if oh you, yeah. if you treat it as in fact like well, their assets. When we talk about like these token systems on Bitcoin or or whatever, like they're. The idea is that they are centrally controlled. Yeah. It's just that the, the tokens themselves are just being issued on... on right, and that's not a technological a innovation. Like, we have that already able to be done. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, people don't generally want custody of their own stuff. But what you should do... Like, I think what's interesting about Bitcoin is it gives us sort of a way to think about how one could have, in fact... Uh, dollars in their bank account and dollars on their phone mm. in a way that is different than it currently works. Where, like, for example, let's say there's a peer-to-peer transaction where I want to give you $10. Mm-hmm. I can give you $10, but it requires that you settle with the bank, mm-hmm. right? And then that bank settles with your bank account. Whereas a 10 to $10 transaction is much easier when I can just hand you cash, right? So if you could do that over your phone in a way that is cogent and um, actually is transferring, you know, the bare asset that previously was, like, in fact, a you know, cash transaction, that'd be very interesting. Mm-hmm. That doesn't require a blockchain because you don't need consensus for that. But you might, if you're building that out, it might make sense to build it on top of, a, of, 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 of Bitcoin maybe because the underlying infrastructure is very complex. But why would you? Why not just, like, if you're a bank, why would you make it a complex underlying infrastructure when you can just do it using Wells Fargo um, database, right? right? This is a service that we have to our customers. Hold dollars on your phone. Yeah, and I, I think that that's an obvious iteration from blockchain, where like you have Bitcoin. That's I mean that's a thing. Like everyone's trying to figure out how like what's going to survive here and like mm-hmm. what's going to go forward. I don't see why you need more blockchains than one. I don't understand that. I don't think you do. I don't think there's any innovation that's coming from any of these blockchains. Ethereum has recategorized what was called a multi uh, a multi sig wallet. Um, or a multi-sig address, and they now call them smart contracts. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like fooled, and their heads exploded as a result of like thinking that like a, uh, a smart contract is anything different than a multi-sig wallet. And that's all it is. It's a fucking multi-sig wallet with rules. Mm. Um, and the rules can be controlled by a computer. Great. Okay, that's just like a multi-sig wallet in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. That's, there's no difference. And uh, so, so Ethereum's kind of rebranded what the multi-sig wallet is. I think that like Bitcoin can grab some of that branding, but I don't think that in the long run you're going to have multiple chains. I don't, I don't see that world. What I do see mm. is the technology that's developed in Bitcoin moving into the, like the banking infrastructure. And I do see things like, th- I think there is room for banks to start innovating their own databases, not their blockchains, but their databases in a way that are blockchain-like, um, taking like a lot of the the sort of like, things that blockchain has brought. So like the fact that you can have a bare asset on your phone, um, why not give people the ability to lose $10 on their phone, mm-hmm. right? Like they can hold it on their phones so that peer to like banks, that's, that's I think the, the like the, the struggle banks have is making peer to peer transactions fast and, and cheap, mm-hmm. right? And the method we have right now to do that is cash. And I don't think cash should go away, but if you could have what amounts to cash on your phone, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that would be that would be like that 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 would allow you to get the benefits of um like for example if you're a prostitute or, or yeah. transacting online, but but still using dollars. So you 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 
you you you have ways to to hold your 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 money, um, and it's 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 just dollars, and and they're they're you know. And I think but the cryptographic you know, stuff you that you Bitcoin's e- going to you can be get cut off by the banks, but if you have those digital dollars, then you're then you're still able right. to you know. And I think I think what ends up happening in that world is that a lot of the cryptographic stuff that Bitcoin's implementing, whether it's like. Um, you know these homomorphic proofs, or like any like whatever they're called, mm-hmm. uh, in, in any of that stuff can be applied to something like an external bank infrastructure, where um, where you know you're able to exchange uh, dollars using the Wells Fargo database, uh, which is servicing their customers, and your transactions will be 100% encrypted and untraceable. Mm-hmm. Like I I think that that is. I think that's a world that eventually we'll live in. And the reason I think that is because while you first are going to release this technology in a way that mm-hmm. like is not, so like Wells Fargo will like release their own or whoever, and what would happen is like governments would, you know, they'd be leaking data to governments. Uh, some bank's going to come around. It'll be the bank of Facebook or the bank of Google and say, we are not going to do that and we are providing exactly the same service. And uh, all you have to do is understand that you know this is we we are encrypting transactions. We're making it impossible for us to see them. But you still have like ten dollars on your phone. If you lose it, it's your loss. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think that at that point you end up with like weird competition in cryptography, which is amazing, mm. and uh, and exactly what we're here for. And then I think what you have is tangential to all of this is you have like Bitcoin continuing to survive. Yeah. That yeah. I mean, I I can see that. That that could very well be a possibility. I don't. Right I don't now. see why that. Like yeah. that is the innovation of blockchain. Here is like the technology that we're developing for, um, for Bitcoin. That stuff is is literally custodianship, like personal custodianship innovation. We've mm. never had that before. We've always had bank custodianship innovation. We've never had personal custodianship innovation. Because even if you like, like here's a weird example to help me me understand it. But like the banks could implement like you're a never going to understand it. You're too <laughs> I know. But if the banks want to like really. Uh, like if they wanted to move money around and they wanted it to be very like privatized, for example, they wanted like the most cutting edge way to do it. You could implement like centralized Mimblewimble protocol just for like the transference of 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 like whatever those those those. Right? Why would are. it matter? Like the banks, th- yeah. they don't they can upgrade or downgrade whatever they want. Like their encryption can change. It doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. like at that point you're just holding like wallets in your phone, mm-hmm. um, and you're using Wells Fargo to transact. Um, basically, like individually, mm-hmm. and the only time that Wells Fargo really has to know what's in your phone mm-hmm. is like you know when you bring it back into the bank. Mm-hmm. But like, think about it this way: like, why not if you're Wells Fargo or you're uh, any other bank? And I like I, I use Wells Fargo because like um, they're just they're a big one. But Bank of America, Wells Fargo, why not make it so that like you, for example, have money in your phone and that is settleable to another bank or settleable back to your bank account so that you can move money in and out of your like bank account almost instantly to yourself um, and pay for things in what amount to cash transactions. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, that would be an amazingly cool innovation in banking. And I think that people would kind of like have their mind blown when you can sit there and not write a check, but literally write a, you know, give someone $10 and that $10 is instantly transferred let's say to a restaurant and that restaurant can know instantly that they've received it rather than like having to wait three days for a check to settle. That would be like instant moving money. Um, That's what Ripple claims to do. That's what in fact Lightning Network actually does. Ripple doesn't do that. And, uh, and, and you could actually do that very easily using cryptographic signatures with, uh, with the innovations that Bitcoin has brought to the table with regard to custodial management for individuals. Mm. And I think that's like, to me, the, the innovation here isn't blockchain. It's individual custodianship of money. That is where the innovations are in Bitcoin. Mm. Right. Huh. Yeah, that's... That's uh, That's a killer app yeah. for the banking system. 
<laughs> well, is it, it? It's 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 the innovation that Bitcoin brings to like the the like. So if Bitcoin is this use case for uncensored transactions, for example, yeah. right? It it, it 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 may always well keep that, um, which I would I I am highly likely to believe. But what it kind of transfers over to like the traditional banking system is like these types of innovations when it comes to custodial ownership of your money, which is kind of like what which basically what Bitcoin is. Based off of it, and that's that's why it is what it is to to a certain extent. Is, is that like is that drawn conclusion at the end kind of what you're get you're getting at? Like, does that I kind of just mumbled a bunch of words. Well, I, feel <laughs> I, like I don't know exactly. Like what, you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that like yeah. like like in the way that like we didn't know what rocket science was going to get us right. Mm -hmm. Like that we it's a completely unnecessary. Why do we have to go to the fucking moon? Like, are we going to meet someone there? Like, what's what's the purpose? Yeah. And, and ultimately, like it was a, a hard thing to do. And uh, exploration for whatever is like a human uh, desire and thing that we do um, for whatever reason, we just kind of like to look at things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important. Explorers have always been important. Lewis and Clark were important. Every explorer in history has been like very, very courageous. And it's an important thing to do because you don't know what lies on the other side, whether it's someone wanting to kill you or something wanting to kill you or some disease mm. or a snake. Um, no snake. Did you see the 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 uh, dev conference? Did you see that? Did you see? Bedger, 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 bedger. You know it was Vitalik and Pooh that were in that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, dude, they're so fucking high all the time. Who came up with that fucking idea? Oh my god! But yeah, so that was like that was that was one of these token projects that like Vitalik was like, I'm I'm into this one. Like this one's okay. It was like that always go or whatever. Yeah. Sego. Yeah. But by the way, that's a good example of of our of, of the last uh, title name for the show that we had. The problem with acid. Yeah. And, and that's what Joseph Poon's <laughs> going through. Oh my God. Anyhow, so the the moon project. The future like, of financial. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. Um, so the moon project lent us a huge amount of technology that we never thought, like we never knew, was something that was cool. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always been the case. Like there have been so many like, examples of that. Plastics are a great example of that, right? Like we didn't know what plastics were for. Um, but eventually, you know, what's funny is plastics, a, a long time ago, there were kinds of plastics that were developed that were touted as luxurious pla plastics. So Rolls-Royce even, like, incorporated plastics into parts of their car, and they would, like, tout those parts as, like, genuine plastic. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is made of plastic. It's made of it's genuine plastic. plastic. You'll, never, you'll never see anything so luxurious in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny now that we're, like, polluting the earth and destroying everything with plastics. Oh, yeah. You know, recovered in a plastic shell um yeah. no it's but like the, the that's the same thing like it's it was this like uh evolution in search of sort of a problem this uh this development in search of a problem i got a solution in search of a problem so like uh, that's that's in some ways like i think what individual custodianship uh solutions do is that we didn't know we wanted individual custodianship of this stuff because we had dollars and they were good enough mm. but like now that you think about it like if you could in fact have a device in every single person's hand where they're holding small amounts of money to do small transactions in a way that uh, lets them avoid things like the two percent fee like like for example you go to a fucking gas station do you pay at the pump do you pay using credit cards oh yeah in florida what do you get for that like it's 10 percent or something absurd in terms of a rate hike 
Is that what it is? It's some ridiculous amount. Like they they charge. Well, you also you also have the increases of getting your you know your credit card information hacked, which yeah, is a big well, deal. Which is all the time. I feel like it happens no one a lot. Gives a fuck about that. yeah. That's hilarious. But like yeah, like like you have this you have this you have this huge up. Uh, like if you drive down the street in Florida, what's funny is you'll see like gas two dollars and thirty nine cents. You're like, oh, that's a really good price. And you pull over and you get to the pump. You put your credit card in. You start pumping and you look at it, it's like two fifty three. And you're like, what the fuck? And that like extra amount is all added because you used a credit card instead of walking in and paying with cash. Right. Who the fuck carries cash around? Yeah. Well, Whereas if you had like cash on your phone and you could literally pay it there and like the transfer happened so that the gas pump itself knew, that's exactly what like everyone touts is like the possible innovation of Bitcoin. But like why not do that with dollars? A wonderfully yeah. stable, beautiful currency uh, that, you know, the Fed controls. And that you could basically pay your gas bill so that, you know, and that that innovation does, in fact, come from Bitcoin. But, like, I don't see why you can't apply a lot of that to, like, individual, like, because most, here's the thing, most transactions that you and I commit are not subject to the possibility of censorship. So I don't care all the time whether, like, you have this censorship-resistant coin. Mm. What I care about is the fact that, like, I can pay for things. Yeah. And, uh, and right now I can, and I use credit cards to do it. But this provides, like, doing something like that where you actually have the ability to move cash in and out like that and to verify that the person has received the cash in and out. Like, if you want to know what the savings are, I mean, it's really simple. It saves, mm. like, 2.3%, which but is what the credit card fees are. And in that scenario, I mean, am I correct to think that banks would now be competing with credit cards on it in, in, in like, in like, so if you're using credit yeah, cards just, I mean just like for money transfer, right? Only, not not well, for credit. The only but thing like that the credit card, the only thing the credit card company would ever be needed for then is when people actually need to extend themselves credit at eighteen percent, right? Which is very few people, very rarely. Yeah, like they'd have to compete on like, well, if I if I if I buy something with credit and get like reward ports and stuff, versus like you know, like think of just a very basic debit mechanism of that card. Just, yeah, you know. But even then, like those settlement transactions are not like they, they, they tend to oppose like a, a rate hike or whatever, which is kind of like what you're getting at with like the gas stations. Like it's a different way of that money being settled. This method or this idea of the banks doing it directly would allow that like that instantaneous transfer of like those small transactions. Of course, yeah. yes. Um, which is fascinating. Hilarious. Which is not hilarious because, well, well, you know what's going to be funny though is if that does happen, like all these people are going to start like using it and they're going to be like, oh, this is, yeah. <laughs> isn't this great? And we're like, yeah. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> We've been doing it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we know, yeah, like, we know where that came from. We know, yeah. Well, that's what the fintech innovation is. Like everyone's trying to do, like, I remember with fintech innovation, there's little things. Like we've, we've seen, What's funny is like the greatest fintech innovation of the last like 15 years, I feel like, is the ability to take a picture of your check and like send it to your bank. Mm -hmm. Just wonderful. Mm. But like I can't think of anything yeah. more useful that's come out of fintech than that. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Because like yeah, there's a whole lot of opportunity out there, I feel like. Yeah. I mean like the closest thing that I think of is something stupid like Venmo. Yeah. But you need to be, the other person needs to be on Venmo in order to use that, 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 that service. Yeah. So like it, it doesn't end. There's probably a lot of flaws that are just using Venmo. Right. So, so like everybody I mean, has their own little app that they're using to move money around. Banks could but like very simply like yeah. agree on a protocol to use in terms of transferring and settling money, like mm -hmm. on on phones, you know, something like that. I would I would love to see. It's gonna that. be hyperlater. <laughs> it could be. It could be weirdly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Stellar. That'd be great. But I think you have to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, uh, Stellar when Moon. Yeah. Um, so, but I think you have to disambiguate like the notion of like blockchain technology from like the banking infrastructure because that's not a blockchain per se. Right. That's just like 
a fucking I mean you don't need proof of work for that. Maybe maybe it's called a blockchain, maybe that's what it is. But like that's not what banks are talking about when they're talking about implementing a blockchain. Right. Right? Like that's not in any way what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Um so with mm. re- like the point about the, the Venezuela stuff, I, I think that's remarkable. I think that like I, I would love to see more information come out of Venezuela mm-hmm. uh, about I, I here's the thing. I cannot wait for the collapse of the Venezuelan government because like the stories that are gonna come out of there regarding money and, and like monetary shit are gonna be remarkable. Yeah. It's not like Brazil in the eighties, which was like a fairly open economy. You could leave or come and go and you know spend money in your banks yeah. while like huge inflation was happening. This is a closed system. You can, yeah. It's hard to get information out of there, hard to get information in. Um, it's it's not as bad as like North Korea was up until a couple weeks ago. Right. Uh, well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Well, it's it's not as bad because it, it's more open than that. But like that's what makes it that's what makes it really interesting because like there's enough openness where who knows how that's how that's had like a, an, an effect. Well, like I had that interview with the Venezuelan miner who was talking about the fact that like there are miners who are being their, their money their miners are being taken yeah. and they don't know where they're going, but they suspect a lot of these miners suspect that the government is now mining these cur- these cryptocurrencies on Which, their own. And basically stealing the people's oil, which if that comes like if it comes out that that's what they've been doing, that's going to it'll be, be hilarious. Oh yeah, because because they're yeah, and it's theft because they're using the government resources yeah. to to directly steal that from, from 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 the state. Yeah, and th- and that's and, and and that's a good example of a shithole country. Like it's you can't not say that. Well, <laughs> God forbid. But like the, because of the government and what they're doing, they're turning it into a shithole country if it isn't one already. It's been a shithole country for a really long and that's, time. And that's no offense to Venezuelan people. But, you know, you, you got to make that distinction that when your government does shit like that, it's tanking your, did you, did your country. Did, did you see my it's article? Terrible. I wrote I wrote an article on my own blog this week about why yes. Donald Trump has to be given the Nobel Prize. Yes. I, I did a whole thing on the uh, the shithole country thing. Yeah, because well, you you, you brought that up in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you clarified what what that really like refers to. What well, that means. What I, what like, I thought was funny. What I thought was really funny mm-hmm. was in in like everyone's criticizing Trump. Then Anderson Cooper goes on to CNN and does a a report. And he says that <laughs> he says Haiti is not a shithole country. He can't believe that Donald Trump would say this. And then he goes on to say it's just a country where the government has abandoned its people, where opportunities are few, <laughs> <laughs> and where Mother Nature's punished the people far more than anyone should be punished. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do you well, what, what, what do, do you, you call that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a great place to go. Yeah, this is like a resort location. Like well, that's a shithole. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like say it's like calling a guy an asshole and then be like he's well, not, not an, an asshole, asshole he's just he's a just real dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but like that was everybody during that that entire saga it's not a shithole country it's just a terrible country yeah You're like wait what the con- the people eat dirt cookies yeah they they're they're eating the mud they're the, eating that's literal what they have to eat mud dude I saw on YouTube a uh, there was a a person who went on to debunk the whole like mud cake thing. So he went to Haiti and he's like, this is disgusting. I can't believe that the UN did this like interview that like they talk about like mud cake and how this is a meme that's like happening. Yeah. So he goes, he goes to Port-au-Prince and they're making the mud cakes. And he's like, why do you do this? And they're like, it's very nutritive. (laughs) 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 And like that was the debunking of the rumor. Like, see, they don't do it because they're poor. They They do do it it because it's nutritious. Which they talk about all the problems these people are having yeah. by eating that shit. Yeah, like, dude. You may have proved that they're, e- they're why they're eating it, 
But you you just prove that it's still a shithole country. Right. <laughs> like, I don't. Like, I, I think he's, he's like. He's, so the thing was like in in uh, the, the the debunking. He says in uh, <laughs> Europe you can buy like clay nutrition <laughs> supplement pills or something like that for like thirty nine dollars for like ten pills or something like that. So so just a like a cost comparison mm-hmm. that they do it in Europe also. I'm like that's not the same thing. I, I'm not gonna no. go out and eat a fucking cookie made of dirt. It's just disgusting. <laughs> It's yeah. That's that. There's whatever nutritional properties are in it come at a huge cost of like like your health. The people have like constipation issues. Like it's it's horrible for your digestive system. You they're making it out in the fucking street. Oh yeah, the guy guy steps in a poop hole and then he goes and steps on the blanket where they make. It's like, (laughs) are are you kidding? (laughs) Dude, my favorite my favorite part of that like interview with the UN guys. There is hope. There's still hope. We think <laughs> he's like very like hedging. Like we don't know. It's it's not looking good. But <laughs> it's been hundreds of years of like s- destruction <laughs> of their own materials and like their own natural resources. And we recognize yeah. the other half of the island, the Dominican Republic, <laughs> is a paradise where people love to go on vacation. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, this half of the island can't get it. But we we still have hope. Yeah, still hope. <laughs> like there there isn't. The singularity is gonna happen. He's still gonna suck. It's gonna be so <laughs> funny. Something like, Every like it's like, funny. We're gonna be like, yeah. It's just it's just you. it's so bad that they France <laughs> didn't want them. France was like, go, yeah, please go. Yeah, you have a reason <laughs> to get rid of you. Right. Goodbye. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. So w- let's let's talk about this uh, thing that Droplister found. So what what is it that he found? So Europol. Uh. So like a government, like you know. Uh, law enforcement of Europe and, network. And, and the EU did like a whole report on like their findings with the dark market stuff. Yeah, um, and and it's it's it, it's recent enough where they do talk about like Alpha Bay and and, and whatnot. Um, there's a couple things here. There's a whole there's like a seventy or ninety page report, and there's also a nice little graphic that shows the longevity of these of these dark markets, and pretty much like specifies. I think it was like two to three years is like the longest amount of time that these things come. Coming to be about interesting. Um, so it kind of gives a timeline for all of these markets to kind of give you an idea of like you know if you wanted to see you know what ones are active, what what ones were. Um, you know it's hard to find dark net dark net market information as much within the last few months due to Reddit, I guess. But uh, you know like Dream Market is 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 a big one. Um, it said that like between 2015 and 2017, I thought like these numbers might be worth. You know, just reporting. Um, they think Alpha Bay was twenty eight percent of all drug sales on these dark markets. Um, the highest market activity in terms of number of transactions uh, at the retail level, uh, cannabis and cocaine were were high. Um, but like how those numbers kind of translated for for substances like MDMA and opioids were 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 different. Um, in that they say mid level sales represented a relatively large proportion of all sales. Um, and the value of these mid-level sales were greater than the value of the the retail. So, so there were like there were clear differences in how some of the stuff was was um, was 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 conducted. They were just making the, the, those observations. I, I tried to look for something that suggested that there was an increase in use of altcoins in certain cases versus Bitcoin. But they didn't. They they never really said anything like that. They they, they did mention that Dogecoin. I was, was gonna say was, Doge, yeah. <laughs> like Dogecoin was in this. What, what do you what do you do if you're like you're Jackson Palm and you're like, God damn it, yeah. fuck God, <laughs> oh, Doge really? <laughs> I like the idea that Dogecoin is used to like feed someone's like heroin habit. Yeah, I just have all this Doge. Yeah, what am I gonna do with it? Maybe someone will take it for heroin. Yeah, 
like like these dark these dark net markets are they're using Doge. They're using Doge. I like I like the idea of making the meme like just evil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, they were kind of like, this is what we know. There's a lot we don't know. Like they they they, um, you know, they talk about using various analytical tools to decipher Bitcoin transactions, but they don't really like list anything specific that they that they were able to. To prove and be like, oh, we we have ways of like you know getting it. It's just it's just a constant, it's a constant like battle and research thing. Um, they uh, they they mentioned like not really knowing the details of like uh like money flows and stuff. So I think like once the actual transactions happen, I think they can kind of like like they're targeting those to kind of figure out like who's paying who. Right. But I think they really lose any type of information or sight of where the money goes like once it hits these markets. Um, well, I believe that because I mean, people are right. probably like you know, fucking mixing their coins. Right. Well, they they get into that too a little bit. Um, I didn't re- I didn't get a chance to read the entire thing, but it does talk about uh, these Mixing. services are being used. Um, and it's not. I didn't see anything like mind blowing here or anything like really new that we probably yeah. didn't know. Um, but I thought it was just kind of interesting that like this was a a new report that was out and and it does kind of you know touch on some of the stuff. Um, I mean, it, it mentions Open Bazaar, for example, but it doesn't really say that like they didn't find that it was actually being used. It's just these are ideas that are out there too, you know, that 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 might facilitate the dark net markets more, right? Um, and they have clearly haven't like thought about Open Bazaar in a way that like you may have, right? In terms of how it's like, dude, it, it, <laughs> is, it, it is progressing exactly as I predicted. It's so funny to me. Well, what's funny is, so we talked about them doing the token sale. They are doing. They are going to do an ICO. Oh yeah, they, there is going to be a token. Great. Um, but that same thing also said something about like some type of weird smart contract feature, of course. Which, which is just like I, I didn't know it was. A, I, didn't, I don't think I knew it was definitely going to be on Ethereum, dude. Like it, I, it's I think it so is so funny to or, me. Like it's like yeah. okay, so like the, the first prediction I made a long time ago is that they were going to compete with Google yeah. because you can't figure out what's on there without like Open Bazaar actually figuring like basically doing a, a method where they like have to rank sellers mm-hmm. and rank uh, the kinds of things that sellers. Uh, implement so that that was an announcement a few months ago. Um, then it was you're definitely going to do a token sale in which we were told they are not many many times by uh, by Brian Hoffman, um, and now they're doing a token sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like it, it's just obvious where this is going. Eventually, it's going to be there's going to be like centralized websites that act exactly like Amazon, and this will regress to be exactly what HTTP is exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. no difference, except maybe that like the markets are distributed, which is just kind of dumb anyways yeah doesn't really matter doesn't yeah. yeah it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't that, that doesn't have a play on like how how you how you're able to have a you know a decentralized nature to 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 the store because they can still be the centralized entities can still be regulated right in a way that like i mean it, it, it it's just and, ideological yeah. listings right now people like listing like t-shirts and like alpaca socks and shit yeah and like okay well like good for you but that's not in any way interesting. Like, you need an e-commerce store. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, The only reason to do it is, like, some sort of complicated e-commerce like this mm-hmm. is because uh, you're doing something illegal. Mm-hmm. And so what's well, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually Open Bazaar scraps its entire infrastructure and moves just to become, like, a competitor to Shopify. You're probably right. That's uh, probably it would not surprise me for a second. And it's gonna be it's gonna be Shopify but with a history of, of, of blockchain. Yeah, like <laughs> we Shopify with with a history of blockchain yeah. and a, probably an inbuilt search mechanism that lets you search all the stores of, sh- of their Shopify. Yeah, yeah. 
and treats it more like an Etsy market kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, like it just it's just going to, it has to regress to that. It it like they're going to like have a centralized platform that they let everyone on. They're going to realize that nobody uses it for like illegal stuff and they're like, "Well, let's just like maybe move it online to mm-hmm. http it'll be openbazaar.com just like, you know, shopify.com and they'll be able to open a store. And then eventually they'll just have an e-commerce platform. Maybe it'll be a very good e-commerce platform, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be it's going to regress. It has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slow progression. To hell. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad though, because like I know that what's going on every time they like do one of these things, like Grand House like, that's what the B you guys said shit. <laughs> God damn it. Damn it. I am the dumbest oh, fuck. <laughs> How do they know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um what else? The uh we, we learned a little bit about like the whole grin mimble thing. Yeah, uh, which you know I, 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 I have like to apologize a little bit. I, I from what I understand, I, I thought the core devs or some of the core devs are more involved than they actually are. So mm-hmm. like that that is not occurring. Right. Um that's one of well, the things we talked about. There's a clear separation in like Andrew Postal's work with the Mimblewimble protocol and what some of the core devs are really interested in, which is the Mimblewimble protocol, and then Grin, which is the the blockchain implementation yeah. for, for for this thing. And they recently announced um, that they're getting on the ASIC resistance stupid trend. So this is like, yeah, um, they're using the, the cuckoo cycle mining. Cuck. Cuck. Well, that's what I thought, <laughs> cuck mining. <laughs> Which is, um, it's not, it's it's a different type of proof of work algorithm. Yeah. Um, that is, for, I mean, it, you, you can still label it as ASIC resistance. Like they're, 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 they're not using SHA-256. Okay. So like they're going to have their own thing. And I think that's one of the biggest like. I think a lot of Bitcoin maximalist core devs are like, "Oh God, like, are you kidding? Like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna do that." Um, well, the ASIC resistance stuff is so dumb. Yeah, I mean, Polster wrote a paper a few years ago on which, ASICs, which I, I I didn't I hadn't seen until recently. You read it for the first time this week, right? Right, and he, and, he, and it's it, it's it's fairly brief, and he kind of just hits these points as to like, and and it's simple and very obvious, which is that proof yeah. of work should be as simple as possible. Basically, is the thesis. Right. Well, it's also that ASIC resistance is dumb. I mean, or or or, or it's it's not a it's not a good idea. He lays a case that it, it leads to more centralization, or it's or or having ASICs might even be more decentralized than not having ASICs. So I, I actually and disagree with him on this point. By the way, I, I don't think that ASIC resistance is dumb because of any concern other than that it doesn't exist. I think ASIC resistance is a myth. Well, he well he doesn't. So he kind of says that ASIC resistance is also like not a like it's not ASICs are inevitable in a certain yes. Case. If there's money there, and, like if, and if well he says he says they're inevitable, but if they're not. Then like there's 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 huge cost to that that like make it not well I- your network will well, be dumb miners well, that's literally it's it's it, your network is going to be built well, on benevolent mining it, it has to be or he's like even if they're not specifically ASICs there's optimizations you can make in machines to attune for how that network is like is is, is mined so it's not ASIC in the way that we think of ASICs being like designed but they are. Um, like algorithm specific machines well, the, that are more right that, that, that have the question are, is the you question can is whether make optimizations in your hardware. The to, question is whether mind. you're doing like, like the equation via software or via hardware, right? So like, um, ASICs make the uh, ASICs do the equations basically mm-hmm. the the SHA or whatever it is that you're doing using essentially analog, uh, you know, work, mm-hmm. um, and and it and as a result it's super super quick because it's like a single function chip and it's only doing essentially analog calculations again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Whereas you can do software and that's like less efficient because the machine isn't literally built just to do this one equation. So it's mm-hmm. like going through, you know, 
long, more iterations. It's taking it takes a little longer because like you're you're talking you're talking milliseconds mm-hmm. of speed faster on ASICs, but right. that matters when you're doing millions and millions of calculations. Right. So like I mean I it's it's funny to me because like you you what I what I think is problematic is if you don't recognize that ASIC resistance is a ruse that it is in fact not a thing that could possibly exist because you could emulate almost any equation and even if you have 15 protocols like what's this raven coin doing they're like cycling through like 15 protocols or something like that that's like bruce fenton's little scam yeah. that he, <laughs> got, he got behind I, yeah they're, they're, they're doing something like that well, i heard i heard, I heard patrick, patrick byrne this week mm-hmm. there's a patrick the, the Pat, patrick byrne of overstock.com yeah. said that raven coin has figured out how to mine like 15 times more efficiently than before <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, no one gets it proof of work is literally proof of burning energy so yeah. like you can do it in any way you want you can you, it, it, the, the only thing you have to do is be able to prove algorithmically that this energy was burned. So, like, change the algorithm, do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're accomplishing exactly the same task. Yeah. And the, the, the question of, like, the, the, the problems of ASICs, there are problems that ASICs and their proliferation cause, mm-hmm. but you, you can deal with those problems in different ways. There's got to be a lot of arguments as to how you deal with those problems. And all you're doing by not allowing people to b- develop ASICs is you're pushing that problem off farther and farther into the future. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a really, really weird problem. Whereas with Bitcoin, we have the ASIC problem here that we have to currently solve. And a lot of proposals are like, solve it by like changing the algorithm, which I think is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- the, the question of like, how do you solve like the centralization problem? Is that a problem even? Um, how do you solve like any of the problems that like ASICs and the uh, manufacturing control and uh, proliferation of ASICs, what do those, like what do those look like? And a lot of people, I think, think that there like are a lot of problems, such as the ASIC centralization. Um, w- like, but, but like in my my estimation, I've said this for a long time, bitcoins exist where subsidies for energy exist. That you're literally mining energy subsidies. That's mm-hmm. what you're mining. Bitcoin is the result of that. Um, but like you are mining energy subsidies. So like if you want, if you want to, if you want to decentralize mining, what you need to do is advocate for energy in your town. To be subsidized to the tune of like you know three you know six cents per kilowatt hour down to like three cents, mm-hmm. and then miners will show up. That'll that'll be a great way to cause uh, Bitcoin de- mining decentralization. Yeah, and you'll hugely regret it. Um, but like that that would do it. Yeah, that's that's the way to get Bitcoiners to uh, to help decentralize Bitcoin. I if, if they if they think that I so advocate centralization of mining. I do not want it in my backyard. I want the mining to go elsewhere. Yeah, it needs to be done in China. anywhere but here. Yeah, <laughs> do it in China. In China. Or whatever the next do it in Africa, China, <laughs> India, Haiti. Haiti be a great place. Oh, there we go. Haiti could become like the Bitcoin mining <laughs> hub. That would <laughs> be just excellent. <laughs> That's what they should do. I mean, like they have no resources anyway. So like, just like yeah. be like, look, guys, like we'll steal, like we we'll steal electricity from the Dominican Republic, and <laughs> you can just come here and mine. Yeah, we'll run a big long cord. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking like how to, how the, eventually that progresses. We're like. It becomes like a more hellish country. It, it'll it's just, just become it's a just worse place. But like, you can't be <laughs> worse. That's well, the thing. Like, they're like, look, well, guys, the <laughs> right only country that's worse than us, is, as far as I can c- configure, is Somalia. Maybe. Like, I did the math on Somalia. It's like uh, <laughs> you had that, that blog. That yeah. was great. Somalia. <laughs> Somalia is like, like <laughs> per capita gross domestic product is like five hundred dollars <laughs> less than Hades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is saying something. Well, you also like brought up like, like right, like even, even like it's barely better than than than. Than Haiti, like, or it's barely worse. Haiti might be, yeah. might be like 
twice as good as Somalia. Well, it's also, I don't know. Haiti's next door neighbor was the Dominican Republic, yes, which also like, had that earthquake that everyone dude, was like. Dude, you have you have a fucking like beautiful control experiment <laughs> about that whole island. Like, which one's worse? Which one's better? Yeah. You just split it down the middle. At halfway, um, it it becomes like it, it's like in cartoons where you 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 change biomes, mm. where you go from like the desert, all of a sudden you're in like jungle, like in Timon and Pumbaa, you know, and something like that. They're like <laughs> they go from like oh this is the, the desert, like, oh, and then all oh, of a sudden oh, like oh, oh, and then all of a sudden there's like here. jungle and foliage around them, and like beautiful like yeah. that's how it is there. Oh there's yeah, there's like there's a like place in the middle of the country where like. Paradise ends and Haiti begins. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm just like, well, like, how can you say that this place is a great place? Look at the other side of the nation. Yeah, it's just like the Dominican Republic has like a robust tourist economy. Oh, Everyone yeah. likes to go there. there it, it has its problems. Yeah, it it's, absolutely it, has its it, problems. It, it's a, it's it's a it's a uh, it's it's like another one of those island nations whose economy could be doing better. But it's I, it, I don't know that it could bad. be doing better. It's just it's just yeah, like it not. is what it is. But like per capita, uh, the per capita GDP in Dominican Republic, um, Dominican Republic GDP uh, per GDP per capita, there is six thousand seven hundred and twenty-two dollars. You want to know what Hades is? <laughs> Does it break a dollar? Seven hundred and forty dollars. <laughs> that's like annual that's income, huge. basically. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's almost a tenfold in, like difference. Yes. Like that's a huge. That's like, and like, that's think on the, about that. Uh, that's on that's, the same island. That's, like, that's the same next door. Like, right. There's like, no like it's literally their next door neighbor is yeah. doing ten times better than them, and it's <laughs> not like a different island. It's just the people like literally. You could throw a rock and kill one of their kids. Yeah, like it's not—it's <laughs> not like they're like separated by anything other than a line, yeah. an artificial line in a one one half of the island. It's just the shittiest place in the world, <laughs> and on the other half, it's just great. Yeah, just excellent. Yeah. No one like it, no one like no one goes to the Dominican Republic and is like we gotta we gotta go see what's over on Haiti. No yeah. one does that. They stay there. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no people tourism. Are, people that are smart enough from Haiti are tra- escaping. They get into the Dominican Republic. Right. I'm, like, what I'm amazed at, I, I, honestly, I think it's, I wonder if it's a problem in the Dominican Republic. Like I wonder if they have like a border wall and they're like just keep the fucking Haitians out. We have a border wall all the way across. It's well, well armed. It, like stay out. I think they. I I think if you want to find people that really like. Hate Haiti and think it's a shithole country. I think Dominicans are probably your. Is that really true? I, I, I mean, there's always racism in places like that. Um, at different levels, like even within there's there's definitely that. Um, which is always a yeah, but uh, like I think I I I get the feeling if you talk to like people in the Dominican Republic, they tell you yeah, Haiti's Haiti is a shithole. Like it's a shitty country. Do 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 they have like a Great Wall? I know somebody. Republic. I know somebody across the island, or is it like? I don't know. I know somebody that actually like is, is from the Dominican Republic. Uh, dude, their family has business there. So. There's a picture here: Haiti, Dominican Republic, uh, like half and half. <laughs> One's like beautiful green forests, and then like, <laughs> yeah, there's like immediately it's like nothing. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> we ruined this resource. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! I wonder if that's actually how it looks. I I need to do more research on that because I think I think the border is uh, dude. There's a bunch of pictures. Um, did you search for the border? So it's like yeah yeah. That's what I like, dude. You, you no, come here and look before. Come and here and look at this. Going. You have to look at this. This is um, so there's a road that runs between them. Which side's Haiti? Which side's the Dominican Republic? You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to like. No. <laughs> one's just one's like like impoverished and <laughs> has no green area. The other's like, like filled with woods. There. Like there's no dead body. You can't see it from there. There might be a llama. But like there's a yeah, look at this. <clears throat> That's funny. 
Isn't that remarkable? I, I, I wonder if those pictures are real. Um, but there's there's a bunch of them here, just tons and tons and tons. Yeah. Like people have drawn a line across like where the the the, uh, the border ends, and on one side it's like green, beautiful foliage, and on the other side it's just like it looks like desert. Yeah, that's, Man. that's so funny. Um, well, on w- one side they sacrifice chickens. <laughs> Donald Trump still needs to do that. that would yeah, I, I really think that that would be hilarious. Like he he does a th- he does a thing where he's like, well, you're right. I, I, I used improper language today. We're going to celebrate both cultures. And then he has like a witch doctor come out and sacrifice mm-hmm. like a, a cock on camera. And yeah. then we do like a Christian prayer and <laughs> just like watch <laughs> everyone go fucking nuts. <laughs> this is a traditional uh, Haitian ceremony. Yeah. We're going to celebrate their religion voodoo today. Do you want to talk about what you encountered this past week? Speaking of, uh, fucking of religion dude. and shit. Yeah. Oh, I went to church and they had invited this guy uh, to like, we've been doing like this weird series at okay. church. Um, but they invited a guy this week who is like a pastor of a black church and absolutely complete racist. <laughs> like oh my God. Started making comments like, um, okay, dude, it was bad. The, the worst one that he made was that when a, bl- when a black person is arrested by a police officer and then brought back to their home in the ghetto, that is the same as when a slave would escape from the plantation, get captured by his uh, his his master, and then brought b- back to the plantation. This is from a f- that's just from a fucked up it's so analogy. Fucked up. It's the most fucked up thing I've ever it's heard also, someone it's say. It's also so fucked up to... I mean, it's just false. It's just, it's just completely fabricated well, the entire so event. And it's also shitty to people who were slaves. Yes. Like that's, that's it's, just, it's really like de- denigrating to them. It's, it's yeah. To me, I was like the libertarian like analogy of like, le- taxes are slaves. I like I reject that. That's just false. It's yeah. not anything like that. They are not slaves. Le- like it is not, it is no way yeah. the same thing. This guy was making these analogies and I was like objecting to them throughout like his talk. Um, but then the worst one comes, like he said that the church, and th- you know, I'm not a great defender of like the Christian church by any means, but they've done a few things correctly throughout the centuries. Uh, one of which is they were like very, like there were, there were some people who weren't, mm-hmm. but th- the church as a whole was like very, very anti-slavery, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and led the abolition movement. You have people like William Wilberforce in the UK um, and in the US it was led by like Christians. And, uh, like, you know, people that, frankly, saw the humanity of other individuals as a result of the fact that they believed this, like, religion. Mm. So he said that the church didn't do anything that they had a lot to answer for, to which I objected. And that's just, that's just bad which is, history. It's just bad history. It's just yeah. absolutely bad. And 40 people in the group shouted me down, telling me that I was being... Oh, because he said... If you disagree with me, you're arrogant. To which I responded, "You're arrogant." <laughs> and then he, like, forty people shouted me down in this group. Really? 40, so everybody yeah. there was against you when it came to like calling out this guy's bullshit. Yeah. Is that because like, so like, does it come? Does it come to them just like being like, "Oh, we have to be polite," and, like, yes. facilitate this guy's Well, there's views? that, but also like, like you've seen it. We've when we've gone to these things, like when we went to the one coin event and we like disrupted it, and like basically told everyone that this thing is a Ponzi scheme. Or when we've done that, like when I sat at that booth at the Bitcoin-Trader.biz stuff, mm. it, like th- the the vitriol was well, palpable. Oh yeah, which which does happen when you call these people out at these events. But like, remember BitNation? Oh yeah, everybody was. <laughs> it was like people were so uncomfortable in that room. Pe- Sit down. People got red. They got oh, uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, people like were trying to defend it. But but at the same time, there's a degree of things of like, well, the people that are part of the audience that that are that are mad at you. The OneCoin people are buying into this thing, yeah, they, and they want to like be part of it. But like this thing, it seems like you're, the people that are part of your group, 
may or may not have really agreed with this guy. I, I mean, there's but nothing like, he said like, that they it, agree with. But like, what was amazing to me was the fact that they were just willing to like go with it. Yeah, and they accepted all of his premises. At the end, like we did a prayer, and the leader of the group prays, "Lord, help us all <laughs> remove <laughs> the racism that we all have deep in ourselves." I was he like, said, Wait, "What the fuck, like, what? dude? Like, maybe you're a racist, but yeah. I don't know anyone else in here who is." Right. It was amazing. I've never, I've never been in a group like this before. I, I, I'm. It's weird because like I, I expect that SJW bullshit, like you see that online, like you see like we talk about the SJW shit or, or whatever it is, and like how crazy like people on the left are getting, like that 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 represents it fairly well. Yeah, but like I always think of church as more like somewhat more conservative. Dude, all and, of like, these people voted for Trump. That was what was funny. Like, really? I know people that left the group because everyone in that church voted for like a huge portion of the people in that church voted for Trump. So like, and they're entertaining watching, this guy. Yes. Like, it was hilarious. And it's Florida. Like, it, like, dude, it was very funny to me. I was sitting there just like, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> like, I, I'm surprised some of the guys were like, yeah, like, fuck this guy. Well, what's like, funny he's racist. is, uh, it, right. Not, not, to, to he the was preacher. just a goddamn yeah. racist. Yeah. I was amazed by it. And they were all like, so then he goes on to a rant. He goes, uh, he goes, does, does this man represent the views of your church? And someone goes, hell no. And so, like, he goes on a five minute rant about how I'm demon possessed, which is true. Incidentally, yeah, and cool. uh, and how like he would be willing to come back, but only when the spirit of dissent, which was me, the spirit of dissent has been removed from the group. And I started just laughing my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Well, it's so <laughs> it's so it's so fucked up that that guy can just show up, like say a bunch of stupid shit. That's that's that that is racist. Um, but that like. I, and, and granted, like Everybody, what's funny uh, is like I don't I don't object to all view like like I think that police officers in America have a, like a lot to answer for. I think there's like a lot of systemic problems there, not not necessarily racial. I don't think that the statistics actually uh, like show that it's as much a racial problem as it is like a power problem, perhaps. Mm. <clears throat> like white people get arrested too, and you know like there was a great video this week well, of a guy well, who like well, got arrested uh, for driving a Bugatti, and like the cop really like had a chip on his shoulder and like tried to charge him with a felony. For like basically merging. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> well, I, I think the arrest statistics for white guys is actually like much higher than people think. Um, well, uh, if well, you look, so, so there's actually like a lot of data out there, and people won't talk about it. But like Nathan Silver mm-hmm. has this beautiful data set on uh, crimes and like deaths and such caused by police. And if you run if you run the numbers on the data set, what you find is that the correlation between like death and interaction between a police officer is largely due to like whether you have a weapon on you or not. Mm. And that the correlation between like race and uh, possible violence is like a lot lower than you'd think. Mm. It's not. It's not not there, but it's extremely negligible. Mm. Which well, I I think I I think you know you do have uh, to to blanket anything like the police in general and like say they are this or they are that is is stupid because you, they're just individuals that happen that all. Come there, I mean, there, there's they, racists have certainly. There's there definitely are, but like my grandpa's a fucking racist. I mean, like I have there's so many yeah. dude racists. But racists <laughs> are like what's funny to me is that like racists are in my opinion, mm-hmm. and this is not an opinion shared by like academics in the modern day, but like I think that racists are just obvious. Like mm-hmm. it's obvious when you have a racist in front of you. He's like, yeah, black people. Like they shouldn't, you know, Mexicans. Blah blah blah. Like. Mm-hmm. It, like those guys are pretty obvious, but like what we have now is like we have this culture where like if you make a joke about like Mexicans or black people or whatever, now you're a racist, mm. and that's just like that's not the case. That's right. not racism. It's it might be funny and the joke might be itself a little bit racist, but like that doesn't make the guy making it a racist. It, it makes right. the guy like he he understood that it was a funny joke and he was willing to tell it. Yeah, and like 
it, it, it's humor, and and it's just it's it might be off color or whatever. Whatever off color humor is so it. different than racism, and like we have this it, like it, yeah, blanket very, label very for every single person who makes like an off color comment or an off color joke mm-hmm. as a racist. Mm. And I see the same thing happen with like sexism and stuff like that. That really like it really bothers me. But like it didn't bother me that much until this week when it really like it got into my church. Because right? <laughs> it's like, well, it, it it affected you mm. in, in a. Like like the whole that whole, that event is crazy because like it, it's your group, Dude, it your was church nuts. group. It was fucking nuts. Oh my god. So are you? Do do you want to talk about like what you're thinking of like? like I, I mean, like the, the solutions are really dumb because I don't know what the solution is. Like yeah. here's the thing with like a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel utterly helpless in the face of these arguments because they're all based on nothing more than just feelings. Mm-hmm. And I like you can present till your face is blue why they're stupid arguments. And you will absolutely not get anywhere. Mm. In fact, you'll lose because nobody there is really wants to listen to like reason. Right. So, you know, this prayer, for example, please remove the racism from ourselves. That's literally academic, uh, academic literature. There's plenty of academic literature on it. It's called unconscious bias. There's absolutely no scientific support for it at the time. Mm. Um, and at least for like what we tend to define as unconscious bias. And if you define it as like the way it's being defined broadly today, it has almost no de- like it, it has almost there's no reason to care. Like it's it's a nonsensical term. Mm-hmm. But that's what that is. Like it's pure. It's purely an academic argument. They don't even know that they're making it, which is interesting. Like that, mm. that that academic argument has like pervaded now this area that I thought was fairly safe from it. Yeah. Um, which I guess it's not. I guess. Well, what, what, what's so fucked up is that you, if you say anything against it, you're you're gonna be like attacked by like a, Bro, a majority. Shouted down. Because like everybody everybody there, I've never ha- experienced that before. Shouted ha- down. Well, because I think people are gonna. They're either gonna if they don't agree. Or, or they don't they don't take that stupid feeling based like approach and they're like oh my god you're so offensive or whatever, or you're racist. Uh, the other half of the people are just gonna remain silent. Like yes, because well that's, we went to lunch that's the or we went to dinner afterwards and like a the bunch people of people came out like I, I can't believe that happened. And I was like me neither. Yeah, shouted down Sean. It it blew my mind and for making a point that was like in support of of their organization that I mm. usually am the one that has like some criticisms of. But did like, they did they did they see those tweets by Kanye? No, <laughs> dude, that that shit's so funny this week. Kanye's like taking like taking it to a whole new level. Is that gonna? You think that's gonna like that that changes like this whole debate? A, a I lot don't know. I, I heard someone. There's 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 some person on Twitter named like Candace Owens. I think have you heard of her? Yeah, yeah. Well, I heard I've heard of her because of Kanye. Right. Well, she she right. He brought attention <laughs> to her and like yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like it was just. There was a lot that happened the last two weeks with that whole, dude, that whole thing. Dude, w- I heard someone uh, give a demographic uh, like analysis of like Trump's uh, satisfaction in places like black communities, and right now it's like at an all-time high. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I, they're wondering if it's like the Kanye effect. Like, it, it's really funny. That's so funny, dude. Uh, like Kanye, Kanye West, <laughs> just like the fucking black horse. Never would have, never would have thought that that guy would have become like a, a Trump supporter. Yeah. And he makes some good points too. Like the fact that like before Trump's presidency, every every rapper wanted Trump in their videos. Mm. After Trump's presidency, they're all like rapping about how he's going to shoot people mm. and, and murder like all of their friends. Right. Because Donald Trump was such a name to include in your... It used in to your, be, yeah. yeah. You'd rap about him. Oh, but yeah. But now you can't. Yeah. Now like it's bad and evil. Yeah. It's so funny. Well, you said that like we've talked about this maybe too uh, here, but the po- like this whole identity politics shit really hits a funny thing when it comes to like black men, um, which he kind of like 
he kind of like touched on some of that stuff. Like the, like these movements are not are not in favor of of. I mean, they're just they're just stupid. But like y- you, I think like the Trump supporters. I, I w- I'd imagine. I wonder if like a lot of them happen to be black men that like like males in the in the in the in those numbers that that are now supportive of Trump. Could really, I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see because like I mean, if if Trump gets like the minority vote, mm-hmm. I think that would be both unexpected and I would laugh my ass off. Yeah. And I mean, I gotta say like. Uh, I mean, Dante's Dante's position has been that like uh, you know Trump is super smart and we like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm coming around more and more to that position. Uh, not not that I love Trump, but like I, I think the guy's more intentional mm-hmm. than I probably gave him credit for. Mm. Like it it seems like I, I mean we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about like the North Korea stuff. Mm. But like I mean he he he's not as he's not as dumb as I would have thought. Mm. Melania's still dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she's not too bright. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, it's also like, does it is it that he specifically has more to him than was really given credit by people who keep like who even were like more neutral to him? I or just think is it I that, just think that he has more like he, that he's actually made more weird decisions than we would have given him credit for things that we probably previously would have said like, well, someone told him to do that or an analyst like he actually does some thinking mm-hmm. and has some like decent chops when it comes to like negotiating stuff and understanding what the other person is going to want or need. Um, that's stuff that like, I guess is stuff that you'd think was obvious because he's a business guy, but he like people have largely discredited sort of his business acumen, um, including I think me. Like I think that like it's, it's, it's easy to discredit I, his business acumen. I, I think I would credit, if you discredit his big business acumen, I think that's fair. I think what his success may be in relation to more is his like his his marketing marketing acumen. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't disagree. And, and what what if we just find out that having like a good marketing edge it, it actually has a better effect? Dude, there's in plenty of, of evidence for things it. Than we think there's plenty like, of evidence. Maybe for you it. don't need to know what the other side's really about in these cases, but if you seem like a really popular like you know character type of guy, that might be enough to make things happen because people. I, like, like like this whole Korea thing. Like maybe 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 like the like we find out that like the Koreans really like him. Like they Dude, they love fucking love him now. Well they love him now more, but like generally speaking, Koreans just like who like they like that type of person. Like they just It could be. It just but, but like right now, by the way, like they're calling for him to win the Nobel, like in Korea. The, the, yeah. the president of South Korea is like Trump should win it. And this is what your you blog Yeah, the, I think that he has to be given it. Like well, there's no choice. Well and, but I re- I interpret it as like your arguments that like the Nobel Peace Prize has been given for like you know, lesser things, basically. Like well, not just that. It's that, like, generally the Nobel Peace Prize, at least in the modern day, is given to someone who has, like, sort of obliquely fil- fulfilled its mission. Um, and, like, I mean, a you, good example, that's Al Gore, right? Right. You're, I like the Arafat example, too. Um, Did you? <laughs> well, because you basically, because he was given the Nobel Peace Prize essentially for, like, ending, like, conflict with, like, ending these, like, the, like conflict with Israel and it, they were, he was basically stopping these attacks when he, w- yeah. he initially kind of, like, had an he was influential in getting those attacks yeah. to start to begin with. So like, no, it's, it's a masturbatory <laughs> award at that. Right. Way. It's like, <laughs> if I keep punching you and then you, then you like, thank me for stopping like, the punching. The, the, like, the, right. And then like, yeah. the school's like, we're going to give him an award. He stopped, he stopped bullying at our school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the bully. Yeah. No, but like, like, in the, so the, the, the prize mm-hmm. itself is very simple. The rubric for it is that the Nobel prize should be given out to uh, those who shall have done the most or the best work for fraternity between nations for the abolition or reduction of standing armies mm-hmm. and for the holding and promotion of pieces or peace of Congress. 
um, promotion of peace congresses. Mm -hmm. So really simply, the Nobel Prize is to be given to those who uh, have done the most to improve relationships between countries. That doesn't specify which country, but like countries generally. And that uh, they have done a lot of work to reduce standing armies. So there's been a lot of awards given out over the years for things like nuclear proliferation reduction. And, uh, and for those who promote like countries meeting in order to establish and procure peace. So like that is a description of literally what happened with North and South Korea the last couple weeks. And what's funny about it is that there aren't that many examples of Nobel Peace Prizes that are given for all of those reasons that are like that that are given to people who have like done all of those things. Maybe some semblance of it, some oblique like example of it, like for example Al Gore got it for his goddamn movie, quote unquote his life work. Um, <clears throat> but like, there's he didn't he didn't specifically uh, pr work for the fraternity between nations, unless you say that like nations are coming together to solve global warming. He didn't work for the abolition or reduction of standing armies, except that there is some evidence that global warming will increase war. So there's an oblique argument for it, and that uh, he oh, certainly yeah, yeah yeah dude I'm telling that's, you that's such a huge like it's a leap it's, it's a, a fucking leap, leap. yeah <laughs> so, like they, they gave it to him still because like the thing is. In most years, you have to recognize that there is not someone who has done all of these things. Right. Or even a semblance of them. Right? Right. Mother Teresa got it for helping poor people. Yeah. Right? She didn't do well, these things. And, and you could make the argument that the whole Korean thing had nothing to do with Trump. But Moon, the South Korean president, didn't he say, like, or he's at least willing to, like, testify that Trump had an effect here? And, and Not only that, that the entire reason it happened is because it's of because Trump. It's because of Trump. Yes. Like, he's basically like... I, I'm the one that's involved in this negotiation the most. Yes, <laughs> and Trump should. Trump get, is the reason. Trump is the Trump reason it happened. <laughs> so, like, you, you, for the first time in like I don't know how many years, have a very obvious example of of a person, an individual who fulfilled every single one of the missions of the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, and people like a great article was written in the New York Times this week that said like, if Trump wants to win the Nobel Prize, he's going to have to do a lot more with Iran. And I'm like, well, he's already like. If he, if Trump in one year accomplishes both peace in North and South between North and South Korea, and in addition, like stops the nuclear proliferation mm -hmm. in in Iran, like that is that will be unprecedented. Yeah, it would be hilarious. He's done more than enough he, compared done, to previous right. winners to well, get the Nobel Peace Prize. More than previous winners, maybe more than any previous winner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so funny. Yeah. Like, I, I, you don't have to like the guy, but you have to acknowledge that as an accomplishment. And then it becomes very difficult, once you acknowledge it, to not say that he has to be given the award. Yeah. Unless you want to start throwing in other things he has to do, which then gets really fucking funny. Because, like, th what are you going to do next? Let's say he does something where he, like, establishes that, like, Iran's, the nuclear proliferation Iran has to stop, Iran acquiesces. Mm -hmm. And then what? Like, he, like, then you write an article like, well, okay, he did it in Iran, and he established peace in South and North Korea. Um, but he has to, like, you know, cause peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis and the Jews uh, in Israel in order to, like, win this award. So, like, how much farther can you kick the fucking ball than to where it needs, like, he's already, like, you have to give it to him. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah. That Donald Trump has to be given a Nobel. And if he's not, it's just humorous. <laughs> yeah. I just it's think about it, like, either way. It's so because fucking like, funny. There's no one else who can win it. Right. Nobody else. And, and every other person who is up for the running this, like, in, in next years will probably like, fuck. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it has to go to him. It's going to be so hilarious. So many people are going to be so pissed. Oh, it's so funny. And <laughs> what's what's funny is in juxtaposition to, like, Barack Obama getting it for, like, like, thank you for not being George Bush. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, because he didn't. He didn't do anything for that. that was no, just, that was just like him being a person. To be like, he just talked about like nuclear prolifer- proliferation as like a thing he wanted to like you know attack. Yeah. Um, and you know maybe that's fine. I, d- I don't know. Maybe every other candidate that year was just shit. Yeah. And so like, well, they're like, well, we have to give it to Barack, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this time, th- th- it is so cut and dry. So then I was talking to someone else um, at a at a newspaper who was saying that like in in their group. This they are all saying that nobody thinks that anyone can nominate Donald Trump for the Nobel Prize. Nobody w- will be willing to do it. And I was like, wait a sec. Like, if you look at who needs to nominate, you have I think it's lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, you have any professor of like the humanities, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So like, the president of South Korea is a human rights lawyer. He can nominate Donald Trump. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, what do you do when he not when he's the one that does the nomination? Right. Yeah. It's so funny. So I think what the Nobel Prize that's committee stupid. is going to do. There's so many people that can nominate him. Like well, there, so of course, and, and all of South Korean academia is going to do it. it. Yeah. Like it's very like egocentric to think that like only what like UK and America are going to be like. No way, we're not going to do it. Yeah. Like every he's going to probably I, I I'm going to make a prediction that he's the most nominated person ever for the Nobel Prize. Yeah. That's probably going to be the case. There will be like four hundred nominations submitted on his like for his for his uh, win winning. Yeah, which will be just fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have to actually like select which nomination is the nomination, or is it just is that enough to like like does somebody? Th- I don't think so. They, if a thousand people nominate him, I think does I think one of them get to be the. I don't the nominee know. Or I like don't know the nominator. I mean, they, they, we know who that would be. It would be like the president of South Korea if that were the case. But like, it'd be the highest. Yeah, it'd be I, like I, that. I, it would, they they may have, but like they seal the nomination for like fifty years and they don't reveal who nominated them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a cool system. So, like, you can nominate someone who's very unpopular, and then like, you can you can keep your you can keep somewhat a- anonymous about my, it. For but my favorite, years. by the way, the Vegas lines are showing that like Kim's, uh, Kim Kim uh, Jong Un is more likely to win the Nobel Prize than Trump right now. Really? <laughs> <laughs> funny they give it to That's him. That's the only thing. Like two weeks ago, every American's like that fucking murderous dictator. Yeah. And now they're like, give give it to him. Yeah. How could you give it to Trump when Kim Jong Un? Could like be given the Nobel Peace Prize. Think of all the work he's done. Yeah, he killed his uncle. He killed his brother. <laughs> he's murdered thousands of people by you know uh, being a dis- di- dictatorial despot. Like just wonderful. But now he's like you know peace. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Well, it sounds like I don't know much, but I'm guessing that this isn't like the complete breakdown of like the North Korean dictatorship that like people might be thinking. Might I don't be think it's ever going to be. I think, I think I what's going to happen is that like I you're going to have. A benevolent sort of like uh, merging of the two Koreas, where they have like the best diplomatic relationship. Or is this just now a good right? Is this now a good relation? Is now a good opportunity for North Korea to like economically integrate with like the rest of right? Like, a lot of like it's not like they have any resources. They're the Haiti of South uh, Korea. No, we talked about that before. <laughs> I think North <laughs> they Korea have like one metal. <laughs> they have like yeah, but it's useful for like building electronics. I don't yeah. know. It may not be that much of a resource, but I think it's enough of a resource that like I think they have like. Relations with China. I think the, I think the, I think North Korea is like a battleground between China and us for like who gets access to those right. mining things. And I don't think North Korea has the uh, ability to extract the value out of those resources that China or we do. I think, or even Russia, I guess in that case. But um, I think they do have like whatever that 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 metal or or earth thing is. It 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 might be useful for electronics. Um, what I'm what I'm excited about, which, wait, though, which tells me that we we may have won that that, like I I I'd like to see what negotiations or deals between like South Korea and like North Korea might come that may have something to do with those things because like that that might be a big I don't know 
I'm, I'm just speculating. But well, it, what's the uh, what's the alcohol that they uh, like rum or something like that? North Korea just like like imports shit tons of. Oh, cognac. Cognac. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> I'm, I, like, I'm thinking that maybe this will like really open up cognac sales, right? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> like well, they should bring your money cognac and and and. and Spread it around, right? The world. Yeah, right. North like, Korean like cognac. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if they can make it. They just, but they love it. So, like, yeah. you know, you, maybe that's where the money for the nuclear program is going to go. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to know what they were buying uranium with. Like, like North Korean dollars? Were they paying Russians? Right. <laughs> like, how are they? How are they financing? Like the, those? Uh, those probably purchases? Bitcoin. Yeah, that would not surprise me. Or something like really. I don't know. I'll bet it's obtuse, dude. I, I really want to know like how they've been running their economy in terms of like international trade. Because like who's gonna take like North Korean bucks? Well, unless unless North Korea can offer people that are they might doing like maybe blowjobs or something like that. Like like, like imagine we have best like, blowjob. Imagine like we'll give you five girls and you can do whatever you want with them. Like something like fucked up That's shit. Like, like really fucked up. Something like weird. really like really fucked up. But I'm like, Ron Reed. like I don't know. You hear these stories of like these these corrupt high level officials that are that have like fucked up. Uh, you know, I don't know. So did you did you see this week by the way that uh, that, that Ripple's getting sued? Yeah, they are <laughs> by their <laughs> investors. By the way, yeah. So the, 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 yeah there's by their there's investors. been more there's been more discussion lately, and it, it's kind of I don't know how useful it is until a decision is actually made about like how the SEC is going to come in and regulate some of this stuff. And there's been a lot of like, is Ethereum going to be like hit by the SEC or not? People have been making these arguments. We've been talking about it for a while. Ripple uh, d- is getting sued um, by its investors over its sale of XRP. Which is interesting because, like, we we we've, we've talked about how like Ripple, like Ripple seems to conveniently want to tie themselves to XRP, right? And then like disambiguate themselves from it when it when it suits them. So they're, so like the investors were saying that like they were they were selling like how they were doing like these XRP sales were were fraudulent or something, and, and it was devalued. Well, I mean, that they were like pretending like they're not like securities, right? Yeah, I think so. So, um, like they were. Uh, well, yeah, like it seems like it, it might be, you know, might be a security, and like and like Ripple's oh, going. It to might be. <laughs> well, but Ripple's going to some of these organizations and saying like, oh, we don't really have anything to do with the XRP token. Like, like I, I think they're like playing like this really like weird line. I don't know. Um, well, yeah, they're like we don't we don't use it, and then like they go online and say that they do. Yeah, and then they're like, oh yeah, we're we, yeah we do. That way they can like pump the price up and sell it to to people. Um, because like, you know, the, 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 Dude, the head of Ripple I, is like a, a multi-billionaire more than yeah, everybody now. else. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they go around, they kind of like bribe. I mean, I saw a tweet this week by, uh, who's the one that was the, uh, Brian, whatever the guy, the, the, the like former editor in chief of, Co- of Coindesk. Two bit idiot. Oh, Ryan Suckus. Yeah. Suckus. Yeah. Suckus. Um, Suckus. R- Ryan Suckus. Uh, he he was saying that he thinks that maybe Ripple's too big to fail, because <laughs> like now they can go around and bribe everybody. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so now they can like go commit crimes and like they're too big to fail. So like no one's gonna like stop it. But like I mean, it also it also is important to understand that like Ripple, the value of like its like crypto token is one hundred percent tied to the like organization of Ripple, mm-hmm. which is fucking nuts in this mm. industry. Like, could you imagine like if if Blockstream were like the reason that Bitcoin was worth anything, like if Blockstream went down, that like right. Ripple, like goodbye coin, goodbye Bitcoin. It was like, no, that's not going to happen. Right. Well, the worst case scenario, like if if they were, if they took if they took down the Ripple organization, the XRP token might just get traded down. Like I don't know. Like I, I feel like because like I, you think the value would completely plummet. 
Yeah, but I, I don't know. Like, I think I think a lot of people have been buying and speculating on Ripple, the, like the XRP token. Like, I, I could see the value of it going down over time, but like, it wouldn't be like a sharp. It never is change. It would be like a weird thing. I don't know. Um, and then yeah, so so there's there's that lawsuit going on, I guess. So it'll be interesting to see if like Ripple even gets affected by it, because I think I saw something else that they said it, it may not be for that much money. So really? even if they did win the lawsuit, it may not be like a big detriment. Like, and that kind of goes back to what you just said about like XRP, like or sorry, right. Ripple being <coughs> too big to fail. So, so what what's this uh what's this about like the ether stuff? Because I thought that like uh, the SEC had like made it known that like ETH and the original crowd sale they were not going to go after. But like now there's some uncertainty about it. I think so. Yeah, I saw some things um that like like the Ethereum Foundation, for example, came out and said, yeah, we don't think it's going to be regulated as a security or it's going to be like thought of as a security. Um, they this said that uh, the former CFTC head said that like um. Buying XRP and Ether uh, meets the requirements of the test, so the Howey test. Um, as there's an investment of uh, money in a common enterprise, specifically in this case, like you could interpret that as the Ethereum Foundation is the enterprise that was invested, um, and the expectations of profit that comes from from that investment. So there are people like that have been part of these regulating bodies that are saying, yeah, Ether does fit the uh, like it do it does match the Howey test. Like I don't well, think that's what Jason's I, been saying for a long time. I think there's I think I think it's still like an unknown thing of whether they're like they're gonna come out and, and regulate it or not. So it's a giant unknown. Dude. I mean I, if it does, that'll get weird. Like for like Vitalik and such. Um I wonder well, what's apparently happen apparently Alexis Ohani, the C Reddit guy, yeah. was pumping uh he was like saying like he thought Ethereum was gonna go to like I, I People interpret it as fifteen thousand this year, but he made a correction that it was like fifteen hundred. But still, he's like, like, there's people. I don't know. It's such a like. He was pumping ether. Yeah. God damn it. He said, Dude, he, he said, you know, the price was gonna go basically double. I mean, I'm, I'm. Which it, is just another person making price not, predictions. Like, holy stuff, shit! Like, like guys, like, well, why? What's the purpose of it? Yeah. What's the size of the Ethereum blockchain right now? I, I saw. I saw. It's a, a fuck ton. I, I I saw something else about it. Like it, it was like. Terabytes, really? Yeah, um, sharding's coming. <laughs> they said they have a proposal for sharding. <laughs> Dude, I, so I saw that. Like, like that. Vitalik proposed, like, tweeted, "Sharding's coming." I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not. It's fucking not coming. Yeah, they're not gonna. Well, it's gonna be such a big attack vector. Yeah. Well, whether they do it or not, like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna solve anything. Like, like, well, it's it's gonna be a weird attack vector. Like, there's gonna be some strange attack that's gonna be leveled on the chain as a result of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just think of uh, you're probably right about like Ethereum's just gonna like there's just gonna be a general like case of like I don't know like so many more problems are coming around like you hear more about some of these smart contracts that these ICOs were creating having like you know major flaws in them. It's it, it, it's like the same story where there's still people that are like bullish on it and hype you know hyped up about it. There's this uncertainty of like if it's gonna re re regulate it and, and like how. Um, but like I don't know, I get the feeling like they're gonna come out and say like it's not a security, and like everyone's gonna be like, yeah, we're we're right. You see, like, right. But like, it I, I like I like that it's completely it based that on like one guy's opinion. Like, wow, well, right. uh, yeah, yes and no, right, yes so, and no. So like, so like, that decision did affect you. Like, it, it does that does have an effect. Well, yeah, and, and like the, the notion that you're right, like you didn't know that. You yeah. didn't know that it was one guy. Like someone convinced that one guy it's not. And like let's wait a couple months. Yeah, like. <laughs> 
you know, I think we're, I, I like the idea of like it being considered a security and like them going after like the Ethereum Foundation and like this whole this whole fallout, which would be pretty interesting. But I, I just I, I think Ethereum's just gonna be like this platform that like gets, you know, less and less use over a long period of time. Man. I don't know. So so Primecoin has kind of been pamping, hasn't it? Is it well, is it up right now? Do you remember do you remember Rhett? Yeah. Rhett Creighton? Yeah. Um, is he like child actor? He he like came out yeah the child actor. He was like uh he he had like a whole thing where he was apparently involved in Bitcoin private, and then he was like oh now I'm involved in Bitcoin Prime or something. Was like he going like from coin to coin well, to pump it. Or he what? tweeted that like what one of the Bitcoin fork communities kicked him out because he decided to like become part of another Bitcoin fork project. So we, I think he's like bouncing around forks <laughs> or something. Uh, when did he gain credibility? I have no idea. I think he, he has like a weird following. I guess. I guess he has enough of following on Twitter to oh, like so affect funny. the shit. Well, but PrimeCoin became uh, a remembered thing because PrimeCoin has been around for some time. Oh, it was it, an old. And we've old known coin, some yeah. people that like it because they think that like the, the how it how it how it finds prime numbers is an interesting way of doing proof of work. I like what Polster has to say about it, by the way. I'm, Which I'm he does criticize this. in that same document yeah. that we talked about earlier. What's the, I mean, what's the title that I... He, right now, so like... I can't The question it. he asks is, is PrimeCoin better than SHA-2? No, for a few reasons. A, it is much slower to validate reducing scalability and discouraging non-mining validation. Mm -hmm. B, it is a more complex ASIC resistance algorithm. Uh, see, above the thesis of the paper is that like, you know, basically mining should be... The, the, the POW algorithm should be as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. C, it is an ad hoc algorithm with no reason to believe that it is progress-free, approximation-free, or optimization-free. Right? So yeah. I mean, ba basically, well, that like you could gain a big advantage by you know uh, exploiting some aspect of it. Yeah. He also talks about like the misalignment between like them thinking that it has a it has use beyond just the proof of work. Right. So like he said, there's a like there's a weird disin there's a weird incentive alignment when you have like reasons to have a prime coin existing. So like it, it's apparently useful to areas of mathematics. When it comes to discovering like long chains of prime numbers that are like related or whatever, but like now you may have people that are incentivized in the project for those reasons. Well, this is the, the useful proof of work thing, right? So like yeah. having proof of work that is anything other than like something devoted to security of the chain, is, like is yeah. it, it means that like a portion of the proof of work is not being put toward the security, right? right? Um, which again, you can run like a regression on and decide like how much less secure that makes you, mm. which is interesting because like. That's like that's that's a problem. Like proof of work is remarkable insofar as it's essentially useless, except yeah. for in the process of like proving that you've burned, uh, you know. And maybe there's some like way that we can take these hashes and recycle them, but I, I doubt that. Yeah. Well, but like, y why would you want your security mechanism to do anything else aside from security? securing it? Yeah. yeah. Like what? I mean, like what are you trying to do? Like like you don't want your security, uh, your 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 like nighttime security team yeah. also selling burgers. Yeah. Like you want them to do security. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's specialization of of labor. Like I don't want it applies to machines too. Like I don't want, want my alarm system to also make me toast. Right. Like that, God, maybe that would be awesome. Maybe, but like. I remember when they combined VCRs and DVDs? Oh well, that like, was yeah, it was awful because like your VCR side would stop working and you'd have to like go buy another VCR. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, it just it it, it 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 adds more complexity to a thing that you might not want that complexity for, and it's like what, can, you know what what happens in a in like an economic model of incentives. Uh, and yeah, it's just well. It's, it's not, again, it's, it's not specialization. Like you want specialization of machinery, you want specialization of labor. You don't want you don't want to buy a machine like uh, what is it? What's that machine? The Abflex or whatever it's called. The like <laughs> the, <laughs> the the Bowmaster. The 
Bowmaster? Like 47 exercises. Oh, yeah. But I was like, it's like, it's like all the things. Yeah, you don't want like a Bowmaster algorithm, right? You want like yeah. a <laughs> You want one that just does like one thing. You want it to like do proof of work. Right. And, uh, and you want it to do nothing other than to prove that you've done the work and order the transactions. That's it. Yeah. Because you're not gonna you're not gonna make the most gains from that shit, like right. You need gains, right? To 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 make gains and, and do the proof of work, <laughs> you need specialized machines for that. Yeah, like the bowmaster is not gonna help you build muscle. No, you don't need a fucking bowmaster. Trust me, <laughs> like it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of, Our <laughs> algorithm does like, everything. I like bowmaster <laughs> algorithms. That's like, funny, that's, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's what Ravencoin's doing. <laughs> that's what Ravencoin's doing. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck, Bruce Bruce Fenton? What the fuck? Yeah. What the actual fuck, bro? Like how? The, why is he? Why is he into that? I don't know. He's <laughs> always been really stupid. Yeah, but he's like, oh, there's a bunch of people. Bunch of, like, uh, it probably is gonna like gain in value. All these things do. They all pump. Yeah. Well, if him, him and Patrick Berger are like into it, it's gonna, it's probably gonna pump. Dude, so. that's the one thing. Like, like Paul Sports made the good point. Like, we, I always thought that like having a marketing budget for your coin was gonna be really stupid. Mm -hmm. But like Dash seems to prove that like if you have a marketing budget for your coin, you can like spend a lot of time de deceiving people into buying it. Yeah. Which is really funny. It, it actually goes like with what marketing ought to do, um, and, and and maybe that's like a weird efficiency. Maybe you need like some some marketing in your coin. I I don't know. Um, but to me, ultimately, I, I I bet it's pretty stupid. Yeah. I, I doubt that that's the case. Yeah. But holy fuck, I want to I want to know how long it's going to be before one of these projects actually fails spectacularly. Yeah. Like, I I think it's just a matter of time, really. It's yeah. like who knows. Well, like, because like when they have so much money that they can kind of like, you know, I I, I don't know, like, do, 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 does like the the does failure come in the way that we would expect, or does it kind of come like from just you know being like a normal? I don't know. That's what money? I want to know. Like, we thought that all these things had failed. Like, I thought that like BitShares had gone down the, the pooper, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden everyone comes in and like I, I don't a fucking folding coin pumped mm -hmm. during like December. Like, what a fucking crazy pump. Yeah, I took games. Yeah, like it's just. I had a bunch of folding coin. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Early on, it was a counterparty project. Early well, on, I like participated. Absolutely. I remember, yeah, I actually remember you said that you were yeah, like, I set up like three machines. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> folding shit for folding coin. Yeah. Which that was hilarious. Which is great, by the way, because apparently that team wants to, like, they're putting more. Um, That's also how I got those, like. They're putting more resources into, um, like, the folding coin project, but also uh, counterparty. Remember the spells so. of Genesis cards I got for that? The, like, folding card or whatever it was? Oh, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they did like a thing based off huh? of that. They yeah. have like, I don't know, there's like 30 of them or something like that. And I have like four or five. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, dude, did you see that Square finally released its quarter one results? They made 200,000 bucks. That's amazing. Everyone's like, like <laughs> only 200,000. I was like, whoa, 200,000. Fuck. That's higher that's than, way more that's higher than, than you thought. thought. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We should celebrate that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Well done. <laughs> Good job. Legitimate <laughs> commerce, uh, $200,000 of, of like Bitcoin was spent. You, that's way more than I thought would ever be spent or in, in like in, in current, you know, uh, things. Yeah. You, you you take an ideological like we're going to accept it for, you know. Yeah. Not not for right. Not and $200,000. <laughs> like that's like what's funny to me is like the decrying of that like only 200,000. I'm like what the fuck? They process $200,000 in payments in Bitcoin. Yeah. Who here has a business that's on $200,000 or like who's made $200,000 a year in something other than accidentally like stumbling into a crypto? Yeah. Like it's it's remarkable. That's a lot of money, guys. Yeah. A lot. Anyhow. I think that's everything today. We're not like, uh, it's not a long, long show, but it's like two hours. Good job, yeah. Sean. You actually had some decent notes, a little banter. I feel like you're getting a little better at this. I'm a little, I'm, I'm improving yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, you did the whole show naked. I think that was part of like the, the benefit. That's what just adds to the, to the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so anyhow, uh, Sean, why don't you tell people where people can find you? They can find me on Cam4 or in the Ethereum Plus right. Sprint Dojo. And I, too, am in Ethereum Plus. I am Junseth. I am anywhere. There is a Junseth. Junseth on Twitter. Junseth on Telegram. Junseth anywhere you can find me. And, uh, and, and God of the Gap on PlayStation 4. <laughs> <laughs> so when he's done reading, he'll be back on Fortnite. I'll be back on Fortnite. Be, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Go If you can, go to iTunes and give us a single-star rating. Uh, we're doing pretty well with those, actually. I think we have uh, like eight or nine. I'd, I'd love like 20. That'd you know, be great. Yeah. I want to really solidify that one-star rating um, so that nobody finds the show. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this week just enough to give us a one-star. Uh, this is Johnson chucking up the deuce of the South. The Mass is ended. Go in peace. St. Catherine, pray for us. Yeah, I don't know. Why is everyone so fucking stupid like that? Why are more people intelligent like me? I'm so ronery, so ronery, so ronery and sadry a ron. There's no one, just me only, sitting on my riddle throne. I work very hard and make up great plans, but no one listens, no one understands. Seems that no one takes me seriously. And, and I'm I so lonely. A riddle lonely. Oh, riddle me. There's nobody I can, I can relate, relate to. to. Feel like a bird in a cage. It's good, Sean. It's kind of sure but not weary. Because it's firing my body with rage. I'm the smartest, most clever, most physically fit. But nobody else seems to realize it. When I change the world, maybe they'll notice me. But until then, I'll just be lonely. A little lonely. Poor little me. That was a tribute to North and South Korean people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so lonely. <laughs> <laughs>